Attention podcast listener, we've got an exciting new podcast coming just for patrons of patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1 has begun exclusively for our $5 and up patrons on the Talking Simpsons Network. That's the first 10 episodes of Futurama coming to you once a week. So just sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and you'll get Talking Futurama Season 2 and all of our limited miniseries including the entirety of Talking Futurama Season 1 that's 13 episodes. That is patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Now please enjoy the rest of this podcast. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons recently featured in Scullery Week. I'm your host Sir Bob Mackey and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert and this podcast will be tough because my ears are filled with nougat. And, and I'm one heck of a blacksmith. I'm Nick Proor. Excellent. And today's episode is I'm with Cupid. You're appealing. Let's never split. <laughs> That's funny because they're monkeys. <laughs> Today's episode aired on February 14th, 1999, Valentine's Day. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my god! Happy Valentine's Day, Bobby. Prince just got a divorce from his wife. Message in a Bottle is number one at the box office, a film I absolutely have no memory of. Mm. And. Bill Clinton is celebrating quite a Valentine's Day because the Senate has just acquitted him in his impeachment trial. What was Message in a Bottle? <laughs> it uh, definitely starred Kevin Costner. Uh, uh, and it was some the sort bottle of film. romantic comedy. <laughs> yes. I, I don't believe he's stuck on an island or it's about him receiving a bottle. That's kind of, that's all I know about Message in a Bottle. I didn't care to look up information on it. It's, I, I know Prince was religious. He was a devout Jehovah's Witness, but it's weird to think mm. of him as like a creature that can get married. <laughs> he's like this otherworldly yeah. being. But, uh, I don't know how long that marriage lasted, but the, the woman was 25 and he was 30. So maybe it was just an age difference mm. problem. But I didn't know the whys and wherefores as a 17-year, 16-year-old when this episode aired of uh, Bill Clinton's impeachment. But it, uh, it's not like that really ended anything in, uh, for Clinton problems. No, no. And I want to check in with everybody. This Valentine's Day, 1989. Lonely or not lonely? Oh, Me. lonely. So lonely. Next year would be my first major heartbreak of my life. So, oh uh, yeah. 99, lonely. How about uh, you, Henry? So lonely? Lonely. And our special guest, say. Nick. Uh, 99, what was your Valentine's Day? like i need to know also lonely i believe i just gotten out of uh oh no th- i wasn't actually this oh. is a rare instance where i wasn't so, all right cut yeah, his mic I was, <laughs> I was in a relationship sorry about that this uh, is a show for losers <laughs> i know i apologize and i like both my parents too so i this isn't uh, gonna go no. well this is uh, for the record i do as well <laughs> sorry about that uh well yeah well nick then i guess you weren't watching this episode then if you were in a relationship no i always made it a priority no matter what on sunday nights at at eight o'clock i was watching the simpsons so throughout college i just i always made it a priority no matter what 
Well, man, Nick, thanks so much for coming on. In case uh, listeners don't know of your your pedigree as a, as an entertainment expert, I guess. <laughs> like uh, we're big fans of Found Footage Fist, but but tell everybody about yourself. Yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin. My buddy Joe and I. Um, this was a small town, so we collected VHS tapes as a hobby, and not movies. I know a lot of people collect horror VHS, but you know, since 1991, we were looking for stuff that would be in the special interest section of a video store so like mm-hmm. the mr t educational video um, <laughs> be somebody or be somebody's fool uh, people's home movies that would still be in camcorders at goodwill training videos and exercise tapes and and all those things that that weren't meant to be shown in public and uh since 2004 we've been doing a comedy show called the found footage festival where we show off our our greatest vhs finds from the last year of, of collecting and it, it's we've been doing it for 15 years now i'm a big fan of found footage and i have been for about a decade and what i really respect that you guys do is that you will take like a 60 minute video and find maybe the best 20 seconds or the only salvageable 20 seconds and expose that to the light of day and that must take a lot of work and a lot of patience it, yeah i mean it's a needle in a haystack because we you know the other day we were watching i think a two-hour cash register instructional video <laughs> and found zero redeeming footage in it and you know you don't get those two hours back so it's a uh, it's i mean i'm really looking for a pat on the back for sacrificing so much <laughs> uh, to, to entertain people but we, yeah the we, show is it's basically a 90 minute tales of the tape so i thought ooh, yeah i mean oh, that, that's kind of what it is yeah well so i was i was curious too with your vhs love then you must have been taping the simpsons right yeah of course but here's my biggest regret is i i would edit out the commercials live like i think you Just did like me uh, yeah you're yeah. both yeah. fools <laughs> Yeah. And so and now, I mean, of course, that's the valuable part of those tapes is it would be the commercials because The Simpsons is so readily available everywhere else. So I that's my biggest regret is I have a lot of Alf and Simpsons tapes that um, I was too good at editing out the commercials. Especially like the regional commercials that are definitely not on YouTube or saved by anybody. Like they're the ones that only aired in my Jacksonville market for a specific like flea market or carpet store. Yeah. Or uh, yeah. East Car Lot. Like those jingles are still in my head and I want to confirm that they're real. <laughs> Do you remember any of them? Like could you spout off one of them? Oh, oh uh, Clavin, they're closer than you think. <laughs> <laughs> That's wow, the uh, anyway. used car lot. Uh, B&R Wholesale Tires, they're known by the money you keep. Beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, I watch I mean, a lot of TV. Should, somebody should do like a, like an oral history or like, you know, how people would go in Appalachia and record these folk songs handed down through the oral tradition. Like we need just a master list of jingles, regional jingles. <laughs> I think that would be a great project. Uh, one, I, one final one that just came to mind is one of the most like beautiful uh, female voices singing in this just great ballad tone, the words patio enclosures. <laughs> and that was it. Man, I, yeah, and I want to find it again, but uh, who I, knows if it'll turn up again. I don't remember any of the, the songs. The one that touched me the most was that when I was in middle school, some local carpet store, the, the old man who owned it, he started putting his grandson in the commercials to be like, look at this stuff, look at this stuff. And the kid looked exactly like me. So I had it uh, like <laughs> several times at school. Teachers mainly would be like, oh, are you from uh, the UMC? 
carpet store, right? Hey, you carpet know? boy. <laughs> uh, oh, man. We have, we have one guy that we found called Bargain Bernie from Corpus Christi, Texas. Mm. And we met the daughter of Bargain Bernie. And she gave us all these like three quarter inch tapes that was 10 years worth of local commercials where his wife was in it, his daughter was in it. And it was a, a furniture wow. store called Decorators, Galax- uh, Decorators Gallery. And his uh, catchphrase was, all I want to do is save you money. <laughs> and uh, and at one point, he, they come back to him. You're seeing the outtakes of it. And his pants are around his ankles. He goes, uh-oh, you caught me with my pants down. But nobody saves more on carpets or waterbeds. All I want to do is save you money. And he goes, how was that? And he just kind of instantly gets deflated with his pants around his ankles. He just uh, wants to get out of there. Wow. Yeah. That's... All he wanted to do is save us money. Uh, well, I... What a guilt trip. Well, I know. Well, Nick, one of your most famous finds, perhaps your most famous find, was the Winnebago Man. Like that's as as famous as it gets of online uh, found footage. Yeah, that was. Um, we were working on um, commercials as PAs in in Minneapolis, and whenever you're on a crew, you sort of share the stories of the worst shoots you were ever on. And uh, we met a camera assistant there who told us about this Winnebago. You know, I guess it was an industrial video for for salesmen from 1989. They shot it in Iowa, and he said it was it was really hot, and the host kind of got it over his head, and <laughs> so we just let the cameras roll in between takes because we couldn't believe his meltdowns. And uh, he kind of handed us like they the crew had made their own reel of his outtakes, and we had sort of the raw footage and cut together our favorite angry tirades from this guy Jack Rebney, and it became this big hit at our first touring show in, in 2004, and then online, and uh, yeah, then they made a whole documentary about the guy called called Winnebago Man, and uh, it's fascinating. Actually, in San Francisco, where you are, we, we met him for the first time, and we're a little yeah. nervous because people have called him the angriest man in the world, if you've seen the, the clips. Mm-hmm. And we didn't, he could have thrown a punch. Um, mm-hmm. he, we didn't know how it was going to go. And I, I think he was skeptical. But once he saw how much joy the video brought to people in a live setting, you know, he was the Grinch. His heart grew three times its size uh-huh. that day. Uh-huh. And he, he was hugging us. And, and I mean, he called a, he, in the video, he calls a fly, like a fly that was buzzing around. He calls him a goddamn jackass. <laughs> and uh, so I feel like if you get a hug from him, I mean, that's kind of a career highlight. Uh, uh. He melted his heart. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I, and you guys are still going strong, not just on tour, but also you do your uh, your weekly live stream, the VCR party. I was just watching uh, yesterday's with the um, uh, the Ara- Desert Storm Hollywood Parade. <laughs> that was insane. Yeah, this was, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they'd had a welcome home to the troops once all our Gulf War problems were over in 1991. <laughs> um, and uh, so they had people who were celebrities mostly who were on their deathbed. It was like Jimmy, a very frail Jimmy Stewart and Tony Curtis in the back of limos waving to people to welcome home the troops back. And it was sponsored by Taco Bell. The whole mm-hmm. thing was plastered with Taco Bell ads and also a, a, an energy drink called Combat Cooler that they oh. were shilling, <laughs> hosted by Bob Eubanks. And they had audio problems and and Tom Arnold was in it. And and we showed a clip of it on last night's show. Our, our internet show is called VCR Party. And uh, Tom Arnold actually tweeted about about it and he and he was like this might have been the moment where the troops were like you know what we don't need to be honored anymore um, <laughs> we're good and uh so yeah i mean we're, we're always dredging up footage like that and that was one of these old tapes where the audio is terrible the video is really bad and and we did some research on this parade there's no record of it ever happening wow it's a, yeah it, it's almost like they tried to expunge it from the history books but we, we have a copy 
that's that's what's magical about what you guys do. Like, there's so much that's just lost, like tears in the rain, as they'd say, and that, that you guys just find it. And and well, there's another one that a uh, recent video you guys put up of the diabetes versus diabetes, which was just <laughs> amazing too. Uh, yeah, Wilford Brimley had his own way of pronouncing diabetes, and even when a doctor <laughs> pronounces it the right way, he's stubborn enough to just still pronounce it diabetes. And uh, yeah, we found a video where we kind of make them battle each other in, in pronunciation. <laughs> well, my theory is once Disney owns all content ever made, they will still not own podcasting and found footage. Mm-hmm. We're still safe. That's, that's true. That might be the last bastion. So let's <laughs> hold on to it. A couple other things you mentioned uh, to me before the podcast, Nick, that I am going to delay talking about Simpsons for. Uh, <laughs> me and Bob would not be Mystery Science Theater nerds if we didn't ask you a little about your, oh, your yeah. work on that show, too. Oh, sure. Yeah, I was an intern. I, I grew up, too, as somebody who, you know, me and my friends, we grew up in a small town. All we did was watch television and make fun of it. I mean, mm-hmm. and when I heard that there was a show with a guy and two robots doing this, not far from where I grew up in Wisconsin, I was intrigued, but I didn't get Ha or the Comedy Channel in, where we grew up. And uh, so my grandparents would tape it for me. And then on, on um, Thanksgiving, I would get all the tapes and we'd watch them all. Oh, so nice. And uh, so, yeah, I was a big fan and then went to school for TV and radio and and film and uh, near Minneapolis. So I applied for an internship in 1998, I think. And uh, so this was the last year at the Sci-Fi Channel. And it was great. It was like a dream come true. Like, um, you know, I was doing craft services and copying scripts and i think my the job i was most excited about was opening the doors for movie sign oh so nice oh it was me awesome. and another intern we each were on a door yeah where there's you know wooden doors and when they would shout movie sign we would open them up and sometimes we'd have to retake it because we wouldn't be in sync it was uh <laughs> and, so and the other thing is they don't tell you about is you know you're on a puppet trench so it's like a good four feet up from the ground was where the the floor is so that the kevin and you know bill and all those the puppeteers could be you know behind it controlling the puppets and uh at some point an animal probably a rat had gotten in the puppet trench <sighs> oh, which is no. just and died oh. and so whenever the lights would come on to film it smelled like death it was and they tried to root it out they tried to find the source of it and couldn't i mean it might have been a single mouse but for the entirety of the time that i worked there it was it just reeked as soon and so the lights would go off as soon as a take was done to prevent the smell from getting worse oh wow Wow. so that was the final season of the show then it was i i mean the only like record i really have apart from like some scripts i saved was is that um in the quest for the delta knights episode um i was uh played one of the Delta Knights uh, serving a pancake breakfast. And, oh, that's uh, so cool. And, that's amazing. I was hoping you got to be on camera at least once in the show. Yeah, at one point. And it was cool. I got to go to the rap party and, um, you know, I played in between, you know, there's hurry up and wait in anything in TV or, or movies and stuff. So there's a lot of downtime and they had a video game lounge in there. And um, Mike Nelson was so obsessed with NHL hockey 98. <laughs> it was that and Hot Shots Golf were the two big video games that was were played. And, and you know how all the Madden games and the NHL, they kind of rubber band it. So if you're behind, they kind of will give you a shot to, to win at the end. Mm-hmm. And I, I hadn't played NHL hockey at all, but I was playing Mike and I, 
I, you know, he chose the worst team and I chose the best team or whatever. And I beat him and I remember him seriously getting pissed and throwing the controller. (laughs) And I, and then he apologized afterwards and I was like, Hey, you know, the game's not fair. I I get it. I would be terrified of an angry Mike Nelson. (laughs) Even now. (laughs) There Uh, might be. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, brilliant writer and, and nice guy to me, but yeah, that was, uh, he, he took his video game seriously. That's an amazing story. Man. Though now when I watch like Soul Taker or another season 10 one, I'm just going to think of that it smelled really bad in all of the uh, host segments. I'm going to think, yeah. I know one of the guys opening one side of that door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was always on the right door. So that, <laughs> that was me. And you also mentioned that you got to go to a Simpsons table read at least once. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, that's the, that is the dream of a Simpsons fan. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe this. My friend Mark, like uh, he was the um, audience coordinator at the Colbert Report. And um, so uh, he I guess he had gotten tickets for um, somebody on the show. And so they wanted to return the favor and said, hey, if you and a couple other people want to come to a table read. So maybe like five years ago, he said, I have these tickets. They have to be for next week. And I was like, what? Up? I don't care. I, I cancel anything i mean i didn't have anything going on but uh i would have canceled it for this opportunity so yeah we flew out there go on to the the fox lot and i mean already you see like a giant homer statue and it was and the new york set you know we're walking through a snowy new york set it was like <laughs> the end of peewee's big adventure you know you're kind of wow. and uh so yeah we go in and sure enough there's I think Harry Shearer was on, you know, doing it remotely, but everybody else was there. Um, Yardley Smith and Julie Kavner and Hank Azaria. And you sit there, they have a, a table where they all sit around and whoever the, you know, I think producer of that episode is, is reading the stage directions. And it was the Sherry, it was the Harry Potter episode. I can't remember what the, the plot was, but it was a takeoff on J.K. Rowling, I think, whatever that episode was from a few seasons ago. And um, it was so amazing. And people describe this, but when you actually see the voices coming out that you've heard your whole life, like mm. coming out of people's voice, there's like no, it's a magic trick. It was amazing. And and like I felt like I was a, a make-a-wish kid who didn't deserve <laughs> it and w- when wasn't dying, but somehow I got this incredible opportunity. And one of the people there, I think it might have been Ian Maxstone Graham, said he was a found footage festival fan. And I oh, and I cool. I was blown away and I and I remember afterwards Hank Azaria and Yardley stayed after to sign you know, the scripts that they give you to follow along. And I, I just had nothing to say. I just completely, <laughs> like Hank Azaria said, he said, oh, thanks for being here. And I said, it's just an honor to be here. And he goes, where are you from? And I was like, it's just an honor to be here. <laughs> and I, I still kick myself. I had nothing to say to them. But yeah, it was amazing. One of these, one of these highlights. Man. That's amazing. I, I'm extremely jealous, and there's got to be somebody listening who works on the show. Please grant us special favors. Yeah, come yeah, on. At this point, you have yeah. to get there. We've I mean, it's, it's yeah. I will yeah. say we deserve. No, I won't go that far, but it'd be fun. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, who knows how many table reads they got left before mm. something changes? You never know. Yeah, uh, you make a push for it. Read, read, be more direct about it. We I need know. a hashtag. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Uh, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bother a couple people. We've talked I'm to most showrunners. That's true. Maybe they can hook us up. But do it. I mean, they want it. They like it. I mean, it's, it's like one of, the, it's one of the few Hollywood favors they can do. People, you know, mm. uh, they can't really give out merch or anything like that. So I feel like they're, they're looking for an excuse to. To give you a ticket. Why do we get into the episode this week, right. though? I'm with Cupid. Uh, you were still pretty diligently watching the show in, in season 10, right? I was, yeah. I didn't drop off till about like season 
16 or 17, I think. So, yeah, I was still watching every night. And uh, this this is an interesting episode, just that it is uh, Dan Graney and Bob Anderson. as a, We've talked about them before, but the, I realize that they both still work on the show in season That's 31. Right, yeah. Bob Anderson just had another episode. And we so. interviewed Dan Graney on our Patreons. Check mm-hmm. it out there. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. We didn't have one Valentine's Day question about it, though. No, he didn't want us to ask about episodes that he wrote. <laughs> yeah, well, because well, he kind of was, uh, he was interested in like, you know, there's a lot of jokes you write for episodes that don't have your name on it that I think he wanted to explore more mm-hmm. than the episodes that had his name on them. So, yeah. And this one is continuing the story that started in the two Mrs. Nahasapima Pedalons in season yes, nine. Yeah. Which, um, you know, this is an Apu-centric episode. And while I guess in this episode we may touch a little on the controversy of the character of Apu, I think we've really covered it in depth a lot yeah. in previous podcasts with our, our awesome guest and friend Shivam Bhatt. Uh, so I would suggest listening to the two Mrs. Being pedalons and much a poo about nothing. My, thank you uh, for to hear to hear more insight into that. But yes, this is uh, it is the continuation of the Manjula story with with Apu, which uh, I think uh, this the feeling I get to the a mark on Scully seasons compared to the David Merkin or Bill and Josh seasons is that Scully really comes from a married man perspective. I think this is much more he sees Homer through the eyes of. I am Homer or I'm a married man like Homer when I think more like Bill and Josh came to it of just like, well, was my dad like Homer or it's more, yeah. yeah. It's more observational where a married man could conceivably be uh, upset that another married man makes him look bad. This felt like a kind of a throwback to like a James L. Brooks style sitcom plot in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, like one other guy's making the other guy look. There's a Simpsons twist on it, but it did have a pretty conventional sitcom setup anyway. Yeah, this would make more. I mean, this this would totally work on like Mary Tyler Moore show or or Taxi, one of the James L. Brooks shows of just one of the cast is showing up the rest of the cast in there. Uh, gifts to their wives but uh, yeah in this in this case it ends with a uh, a big fist fight in the sky and a giant guest star to put the the Simpson right. stamp on it I wouldn't forgot. happen on Cheers probably no Elton John might have shown up maybe who knows in the late seasons of Cheers yeah. the, in, in, sure. those, in those years they just opened the door and a celebrity showed up but uh, yeah. This is also the second Valentine's Day episode too. The uh Choo Choo Choose Me was uh was like seven years before yeah. this one. And it's also unseasonably warm during this Valentine's <laughs> That's right, Day. Yeah. <laughs> well they write it from a Los Angeles perspective. They they don't think about cold Februaries anymore. And I think too they knew that the that the Sunday was a fourteenth that year, so they wrote knowing it would be viewed on Valentine's Day as well. Uh, I mean I think Valentine's Day is a crock as an adult that uh, <laughs> it's it's fine as a kid if you want to get like candy at school or whatever but well nick grew up in the midwest uh in ohio at least i grew up in the rust belt in youngstown ohio there was also like valentine's day revenge aka sweetest day oh i never heard of this did you have sweetest day as well yeah people i remember um people talking about that in middle school and even at that early age with no romantic prospects at all being like that is a crock sweetest day is (laughs) you know you get one love holiday a year do you guys have any memorable valentine's days oh absolutely not not nope. until last year <laughs> no no happy ones no not yeah until i guess now as a as a married man i valentine's day is interesting is like i am starting to see it more from homer's vantage point of like fourth valentine's day what to do what to mm. do like but i i'd still try to make it special but me and my husband like we well actually no this valentine's day we went to fucking conan o'brien what am yeah. i saying yeah and, uh, and I when guess... i say we i 
I also meet Bob. Henry and I were in direct competition <laughs> with each other because uh, your fiance got us, uh, sorry, your husband got yes. us tickets to Conan O'Brien. And meanwhile, I got my girlfriend tickets to Disneyland <laughs> with me. Ah, <laughs> yes. Ah, okay. So it was a double date kind of situation? Or? Um, it was a double date to Conan on Valentine's right. Day, but we, we gave Bob and, and his uh, girlfriend their space for <laughs> Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty good, those are both pretty good Valentine's Days, I, I think. I can't top myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, three days in Disneyland, probably. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that that's the only memorable Valentine's Day, I got to say. The, the rest are, well, I don't, it's not a Mistake. I like when my mar- uh, wedding anniversary is, but it's the second of February, so it feels like uh like this Conan trip was kind of a continuation of a anniversary present into Valentine's Day. Got it. Yeah. My and my birthday is February 9th so I always kind of mm. I would have a birthday party for friends, but I would always do it the weekend of Valentine's Day, and I I did this kind of like I I positioned it as if it was a magnanimous big get together for everyone who didn't want to do traditional valentine's day but it was a way to stave off the loneliness i think in advance Mm. so it was kind of my cover was to throw this birthday slash valentine's party (laughs) and uh, for everybody yeah that's a good plan to cover like nah i'm busy i don't care i got i'm hanging out with the bros (laughs) yeah it was a coping mechanism (laughs) uh well the this episode though opens far away from valentine's day with a uh, a very sweet little story homer tells Lisa in this first clip. The handsome prince realized he had to go to the bathroom really bad, but the evil ogre, Barney, had (laughs) left the men's room in the most wicked condition. So the prince went out back to the enchanted alley. That's not a fairy tale. It's just something that happened to you at Moe's. Anyway, the prince passed out for a hundred years until he was awakened by the kiss of a noble raccoon. And thank you, God, for the bad things adults do, which distract attention from stuff I'm doing. Amen. He's also thankful for your bounty, Lord. Good save, Mom. Night. Sweet dreams, honey. Um, Mom, will you help me with my project? I need to make a working model of the digestive system. Of course, honey. Thanks. It's due tomorrow. Tomorrow? Well, that's too bad, mister. I'm not going to bail you out this time. You're right, Mom. I understand. All right, I'll get you the materials, but you're building it. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'll make the whole thing. So is that Lisa's only line in this episode? I guess it is. I yeah, it is. that is the only line. <laughs> Maybe her She's absent. I, I think she yells at Homer for having uh, him uh, make the dog bring in the Sunday newspaper okay, later. Yes. But that's that's kind of it. That's it. I mean, the, the kids are kind of an accessory to a an adult romantic story. That story Homer tells is uh, that's a new level of alcoholism for him of passing out in the alley and being woken up by a raccoon. It's the lighter side of alcoholism. <laughs> that's. I mean, he tells uh, a quite a cute story of a disgusting men's room and peeing in an alley and then passing out. Oh, yeah. Public urination was part of the story. <laughs> yes, yeah. Now, this, I mean, uh, we, we say this a bunch, but the Scully years definitely had a, an increase in scatological grossness, for sure. I mean, that. there's a big uh, example of that coming up. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, you know, it seems quaint to see characters praying before bed now. It really, I just don't think you'd see that in kind of any show now. Yeah, that is strange. There used to be a lot of scenes of, like, kids or adults praying for something. Thing. And yeah, you you would not see that nowadays. Like your bedtime prayers, I just uh, yeah, I guess I would assume a, 
across America, there's still parents watching over their children to make sure they say prayers right, as Marge it is. But. I mean, all of the Fox animated shows from this era had characters go to church regularly, even Family Guy, like yeah. King of the Hill, of course, this... I grew up going to church. I was an altar boy, and my mom was a Sunday school teacher and all this stuff. But I remember even, like, kneeling to, to pray by my bed and thinking, this is ridiculous. What am I doing? Like, <laughs> I don't think anybody could really sustain that. Uh, you know, the I think the found footage stuff that sometimes give me the most cringe, where I just, I kind of fast forward through it, is uh, is the religious programming. Because it just, the, the earnestness can just be too much for me sometimes. Meanwhile, that's my favorite. <laughs> Having on <laughs> well, the Catholic cool yeah we're gonna be in san francisco in um at Sketchfest in january so oh if you show up I, you might want to just go to the bathroom during that we, we have a, a montage called church training in our, our current touring show oh, which man. is for some reason over the, the past year and a half we found a lot of like training videos for people in the church like how to be an altar boy how to be a an usher and how to be a a reader and uh they're all pretty great i you know i sometimes wonder if you know 20 years from now will there be a version of this for pe- things people uploaded to youtube and whatnot because that it just feels like there's just too much of it but also i think people know too much about irony now it wouldn't be funny in the same way or or not even funny intriguing in the same way it's interesting yeah i i think that too i mean occasionally you'll find some unself-aware people but the magic of the vhs era was that people didn't know this would ever be seen in a context other than what they intended it to be like Mm. if they made a video called how to identify machine made marbles which is an actual video (laughs) i found they thought that would just be for marble collectors and uh that's the only people who would see that uh but but now anybody making a youtube video knows that it could be seen by the world and i think that's why occasionally when you find like prancer size or i remember a while back there was some people who like elderly people who had recorded themselves and not known the webcam was on and that became a big hit because those are like some of the rare examples of unself-aware people in, in 2019. We, we know too much now. It's, it's a burden of knowledge. <laughs> yeah, there isn't that sort of charming naivete anymore. It's a, yeah, innocence lost. The Simpsons will be right back. Hope you're enjoying this week's podcast. It was done under the Skywriter's Code. And we have a big thank you to our guest, Nick Brewer. Please check out all the found footage stuff and BCR Party that you can find on YouTube and other places. He was such a cool guy. We can't wait to see his show in January. And... Did you know that this podcast, Talking Simpsons, as well as its weekly sister podcast, What a Cartoon, are both brought to you by Patreon? That's right, me and Bob can do this thanks to the support of our many wonderful Patreon supporters. Just for five bucks a month, not only do you get to hear every episode of Talking Simpsons a week ahead of time and ad-free, but the same goes for What a Cartoon, where we go through a different animated series once a week. You can hear next week's episode right now about the Charlie Brown Halloween special, just in time for the holidays. Not to mention, you'll get access to our many exclusive mini-series that can only be heard if you're a Patreon subscriber, including very soon the second season of talking futurama part one we'll be doing the first 10 episodes of futurama's second season in the talking simpson style and you can only hear that if you are a supporter at patreon.com slash talking simpsons just five bucks a month
If you're the kind of fancy person who can afford a chandelier in your private jet, then you need to sign up for the $10 and up level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. You get all that stuff I just talked about at the $5 level, plus our monthly exclusive What a Cartoon Movie podcast. Me and Bob talk about a different animated feature film once a month. And you can only hear that if you're a $10 and up subscriber. These podcasts can go longer than four hours in some cases. And if you signed up right now, you'd had over 30 hours of podcasts to listen to that you can only hear if you're a subscriber. We talk about feature films like Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, Kiki's Delivery Service, Akira, a Goofy movie, Aladdin, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, The Secret of Him, Tiny Toons, How I Spent My Vacation, Cowboy Bebop the Movie, and for October in the Halloween spirit, we're doing The Nightmare Before Christmas. You can only hear all of that stuff if you're a $10 and up subscriber at patreon.com slash talking simpson so please get on that now well i often tell stories about reawakening guilt on this show that i feel and i i definitely felt this in this very realistic dumping a science project on a parent moment oh. i did do this to my mom and i feel nothing but guilt about it now uh for for me it was in middle school we were assigned like do your big science project for a month or whatever and mine was going to be something that involved watering plants once a day and charting their growth i was going to guess plants i think by the third day i just stopped doing it and my <laughs> Because and I I knew not unlike Bart, mom will just take care of it. I know she will, and she did. And I feel really bad that on top of her full time job and also uh, doing most of the parenting and stuff around the house, that she also had to do a middle schooler science project. I feel <laughs> I feel really bad about that, and I'm sorry, mom. How'd you? What grade did you get? Do you remember? Was it? Eh, I think it, I think a solid B minus on it. Okay, B's get right. degrees. <laughs> I, well, don't feel that guilty then. Mom okay. clearly didn't put in a ton of effort. <laughs> she she could have tried harder, yes. <laughs> uh, but that man, that look Bart gives to Marge of just like, I know you're gonna do it. Like I you're gonna fold instantly. <laughs> Did you guys identify with Bart? Like I I felt like I, you know, I feel like a lot of kids felt like they were sort of Bart Simpson. And those moments in particular were very, you know, where you could really identify stuff like that. Oh, yeah. In the in the first years of the show from premiere, I was eight. And so I was just thinking about soon I'll be 10, just like Bart. And I'll, mm. I'm definitely like Bart. And I think until like 12, I still was like, yeah, I'm Bart. That's me. I, I definitely identified in with the most, even though I'm Milhouse or Martin. That's I, who I should have <laughs> been identifying with. I was mostly identifying with Lisa, although I wanted to be like Bart, but I was, even though I hated school, I was really good at it. Mm -hmm. So uh, that explains who I am. I'm a podcast pedant right now. Yeah. And I've heard you talk about too, how like you, you kind of got lazy because you, you, you know, could kind of do well at school. Oh yeah, yeah. Trying. So I kind of had a little bit of identifying a little bit with Lisa in that, that some things you kind of felt like above in school, but mm -hmm. also I did, I think I did have that Bart, like, rebellious streak as well as a kid and and sort of like the the little rascal kind of guy well and also it's like a kid then things especially were just so uh gendered that the thought of identifying with a non-boy character mm. was just like no you're supposed to identify with the boy you're a boy the the boy character is you 
Yeah, right. Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, you know, also in this bit here, I have to blame Edna for this assignment because, like, I would think, like, a college senior being given this project is too extreme. Yeah, like, a grade school assignment like this would be making a potato power a light bulb or something <laughs> yeah. like that. <laughs> or just, like, a shoebox diorama, at most, like, on Diorama-rama day. Yeah, or just make the volcano, you know, with the, the baking soda and vinegar. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the level, yeah. Uh, but so Marge has to head over to the quickie march which does have pig intestines available at 11 p.m mm, tripe <laughs> delicious tripe <laughs> but it's like so bloody too uh and and after purchasing it marge and apu have a have a friendly conversation well when you have a free night we'd love to have you two over for dinner well please do not be insane you hosted our wedding the least we can do is have you over for dinner <laughs> it is payback time and this time it's personal Looks great, Mom. Some of your best work. Oh, it sounds so real. I didn't turn it on yet. Oh, oh I'm never eating chili again. Ooh, chili! <laughs> Based on this chili reference, I have to think that thing is filled with chili. Oh, the the diorama? Yeah, okay. the, the model. Because yeah. the way it explodes, it's got to be full of something. Even Ugh. in the commentary, they're like, what was it full of? <laughs> Yeah, it just explodes, and yeah, it seems to be some sort of brown liquid. Ugh, God, that's so gross. I, I also was surprised uh, to see in this gag that they, it feels uh, an extra extreme for edgy for Simpsons then to identify Jimbo as stoned, like specifically yeah. this underage teen is high on marijuana. Like that was an, an interesting, they, they always kind of masked it a little bit with uh, Otto in his weed jokes, but this is simply calling Jimbo a stoned teenager. Yeah, I don't like it. It seems a little too on the nose. I, I don't know. I like when they got to dance around it a little more. I think it should be Otto. Yeah, the joke's better, but he said the joke set up as teenagers, so it can't be Otto. Like, mm. it, it should just be stoned guys, but yeah, you're right. Now, Living Mirror, calling aluminum foil Living Mirror. I do like that joke. That's funny. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. It is a little on the nose just to say stoned. It kind of removes more of the cleverness to the illusions of weed usage in previous episodes yeah smells like otto's jacket i mean that became a band right <laughs> called oh, otto's yeah. jacket like they're yeah that's that's clever but yeah you remove some of those restraints and then you know you got family guy now my shoes are talking mm, the dangers of being family guy yeah <laughs> yeah sorry to bring that up it's something we all try uh, to avoid we're just a yeah. few weeks removed from having to live in family guy world in uh, <laughs> previous episode um, yeah I, I heard that and i felt your pain <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i think i was too mean to it and then i remember that jemima's witness joke and i'm just like no that's the first joke yeah Um, oh boy now as a married man who does work some odd hours um i can definitely see where the writers found inspiration in apu's workaholism causing strife in the marriage like for them too they were always working late nights uh or often working late nights on the rewrites and all this stuff and i know scully he worked really hard but he also did try to get the hours more normal i think dana gould in our interview talked about how like one day he's like eh, it's six we'll just get back to this tomorrow yeah. and they just let people go home and if you hear our interview with mike scully your most recent one he talks about how he unionized the simpsons yeah. or led to the unionization of all the fox animated sitcoms mm-hmm. so he clearly wanted there to be healthier work-life balance yeah. on the show yeah yeah i think that i mean i used to i worked at the letterman show for four and a half years and mm-hmm. it was like working for the simpsons in that you were i was there on christmas day i worked 80 90 hour weeks Oof. 
And um, I gave up my life for the show. And then I just quit without it even having a job because I was like, I can't sustain this. So yeah. I get it. I get the demand to make something funny. And I really believed in that show. Like I'm sure the Simpsons writers believed in that. But you, I think for mental health, I love the fact that having since worked on shows that have a more healthy, uh, like hourly schedule, it's just it's that work-life balances cannot. And, and I think it makes you funnier too. You have more perspective because you're living real lives. Yeah. You know, I wonder if some of that comes from both on shows like Letterman and the Simpsons, you know, a lot of the writers come from, you know, the Harvard Lampoon in this college background, maybe that it's just this feeling of like, well, in college we stayed up all night and just worked forever on this thing. Like it's mm. that that's just the style of work, you know, like, I mean, we worked in on websites and that was kind of the feeling I still had i am trying to shake for myself of like well work never stops it's just always happening work work never goes away got time to lean you got time to clean and write this preview <laughs> yeah i mean like and then you hear about all the the video game hor industry horror stories like i'm sure oh, you yeah. are familiar with and, and it doesn't have to be that way it really doesn't you can make a quality product and not kill yourself and uh yeah having since worked on on other shows it just really doesn't have to be that way it can, and it stems from the top if your boss is a workaholic, then he will or she will demand that of everybody else. But if they're a little more reasonable, then the show's more reasonable. Yeah, I think uh, I think they're putting a lot of themselves into Apu with this. He's yeah. feeling that he can never leave his job, though. I mean, eighteen-hour work days and no weekends—that's uh, that kills a person. <laughs> like, but I do like the in general with Apu, they do jokes like it's uh, it jokes about Apu's background. Some of the better ones are that come from this idea that like immigrants think they have to work harder because of this lie that is the American dream. So they're like, no, I just have to constantly work, just be super, super working all the time. Like those are some of the best jokes with Apu, I think. Yeah. And they don't dip into that sort of exoticism or, you know, any of that part of the being an Indian immigrant. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's the good part of being an, a hardworking immigrant. Though I wonder what the, there's some really off ADR on the Jerkwater Berg line. Yeah. Everything is this, everything is fine up until Jerkwater Berg, it seems. <laughs> So there must have been a worse insult, but yeah, who knows? I wonder. I wonder. I do you do you ever wish you could go back to a time where you weren't paying attention to the ADR line? A little <laughs> bit. I, yeah. I feel like it's a superpower. Like now you see how the sausage is made, so you yeah. you know you, you can't go back. I just want to know what the original line is. It's all I want, <laughs> and then I want them to change it if it's funnier. Yeah, if I judge it to be funnier, I just a series of choices. Like now, I uh, I think the first time I really noticed, I didn't have words for it until probably I heard the terms on a Simpsons commentary. But even in like the third or fourth seasons, or on other cartoon shows, I knew when the lip sync wasn't correct and it that kind of the friction of what was being said versus what it looked like was being said always caused problems for my pedantic little brain mm -hmm. so yeah but now now i know way too much about it yeah it's hard to even when watching like shows that are kind of on the fly you know where they're they're doing sort of a verite style like the office and you notice they'll be on a reverse shot and you can tell like it was because the line was funnier on the this shot but we had to cover it up because the lip sync was off and yeah you notice those mm -hmm. things a lot more uh i also i am impressed with the continuity of apu bringing up that they got married 
buried in their backyard and that he's he's getting uh, his revenge on that uh, in a way with this time it's personal line I there's, like that there's also like a rare appearance of Sanjay in this episode mm-hmm. was he not at their wedding I, he must have been maybe there. like drawn in the background yeah but yeah. they kind of forget about Sanjay he didn't have a line and well yeah he, only when you remember Sanjay do you then find out, like, well, why doesn't he co-run this with Apu all the time? <laughs> and yeah, also Homer's ooh, chili line, like, I uh, I definitely identify with that of thinking, like, but this thing made me sick, but I still could eat another slice of this pie right now. How could I stay mad at you? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it is also a redo of that mm-hmm. joke, yeah. So there wasn't true. rancid, he just ate too much of it. Mm-hmm. My most Homer uh, moment like that was I... I um had a, a pug and I was uh, I had bought this seven dollar vegan chocolate pie and I got home and was ready to watch TV and I had it all set out and I I went into the other room and all of a sudden I heard a fork clank and I came back in and he had had, had the entire triangle of pie in his mouth and you know oh, it's chocolate oh I have yeah. to fish it out of my dog's disgusting mouth and I'd paid seven bucks for this pie like I had, I was already tasting it in my mind and uh, so I, I sort of chastised the dog and then i was like well i can't let the pie go to waste so Uh i i sat there and ate this dog slobbered on pie uh, and uh yeah i i i I don't think i've ever admitted that before but that's a dark moment so did you get sick we need to know how clean dog mouths actually are (laughs) well yeah that's always the fun fact right no i didn't get sick Mm. tasted great you know (laughs) so let a pug taste all your food first it could be poison. My official taster. Yeah. I mean that much. You're spending that much on the vegan pie. If it if it's still complete, I'd I'd at least eat the inside of it, or at least talk myself into like, yeah, the dog didn't seem to take too much of a bite of this part. It's funny. I just remember too that in college, when you don't really know how to cook for yourself, I I bought one of those pre-made rice mixes. It was like a broccoli rice mix that you you know you only have a microwave to cook. So it, I cooked it for 20 minutes in a plastic bowl which you're you know you're not supposed to do now and and i that's the longest i ever had to wait like i was used to instant gratification for food and it came out and i was so hungry and it was it was just way too hot and i dropped it on the floor of my <laughs> filthy dorm room and i uh took a fork out laid down my stomach on the floor <laughs> and just ate the parts that hadn't touched the floor mm-hmm. and my i heard the uh, code being punched in and my roommate walked in and caught me doing oh, this oh god at, <laughs> definitely a, one of my, if not my lowest among the lowest moments and uh it was a total homer moment you know like, Four pie. yeah <laughs> exactly that's what made me think of it i get that way of thinking though that like the as long as it's not the rice that's touching the carpet then the rice that's on top of other rice that's as clean as the rice on top of the other rice would be in a bowl what i've done is if i order like an expensive beer somewhere like an eight dollar beer and like two sips in a fruit fly lands and i'm just like well you're getting out of here mr fly i'm drinking the rest <laughs> Yeah, you can't be blamed for that. Uh, well, speaking of eating stuff, the uh, we get a little human centipede moment after this. That's bit. what I wrote down. Yeah. It's uh, they were way <laughs> ahead of the curve there. <laughs> But they, yeah, they, on the commentary, they chastise the science of it. And it's true. If there is food in that, that actually works that, or at least there's food that is able to move through the digestive tract that Marge built, why would it create more food that would then expand and explode? It's breaking the law of conservation of matter. (laughs) Can't work. Unless it formed gas, like real food would do it in a Mm. a digestive tract. Maybe the gas made it explode. Man, but then, then Marge went the extra mile of putting like (laughs) acids and enzymes in (laughs) there. Too. Uh, yeah there was a museum i think that it, like a science museum that actually like recreated the, the human digestive process i remember the room smelled like actual shit 
Um, they, and they would like, yeah, they had a, a mouth that would masticate the food and go through a track. And, and so it wasn't far off from this science project. Man, ugh. the They really got away with something, too, of like Nelson shoves the anus into the mouth. Yeah. He gets away <laughs> the, with the solve world hunger. <laughs> and uh, the answer to where do I go from here for Nelson is nowhere because that's the end of that side plot. Like when he said that, yeah. I was like, was there more of this side plot I'd forgotten? And But no, it, it just ends. We do see uh, Bart clapping in his array. Racers, as uh, Skinner says later in this episode. Oh, yeah. But who knows if he's being punished for uh, not turning his assignment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then it pivots to basically the B-Sharps crew trying to get revenge on, on Apu. <laughs> You're right. I didn't consider oh, it. It is wow. the B-Sharps crew attacking. We have to forget that history they have with each yeah. other. Well, I was, you know, actually later in the episode, I'm already thinking about it because of the Grammy. <laughs> but... Uh, before that, yes, Apu gets the night off thanks to Sanjay, and uh, the Homer and Marge arrive for dinner. Stop worrying, Apu. The Quickie Mart is in good hands. I'm not checking up on you, Sanjay. I am simply asking you how many pennies you have left. <gasps> Seven. I'll be right there. No, he won't. Apu's entertaining tonight. If you need pennies, take them from Jerry's jar. <clears throat> oh. This is why I married you. Ooh, what an outfit. You are one hot mama. You think so? Well, I could not let you in the store like that because you are smoking. Oh, <laughs> a mm. Maybe we should not answer it, huh? Doors unlocked. Oh, March, Homer, <laughs> welcome. Yes, welcome. What a lovely home. Oh, you are too kind, Marge. I am sure you have noticed the many small imperfections that fill me with shame. No, 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 no. If anything, your home <laughs> makes me ashamed of my home. Well, let us just say we both feel bad. Deal. That's the one uh, non-cultural joke I do like, where it's just mm. like being invited to someone's house, there's always an apology off A little when you're bit, in the doorway. Yeah. Like, I'm so sorry, my house is dirty. No, my house is dirty. You should see my place. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. awful. <laughs> It's, it's uh, sort of like the uh, I think you should leave uh, Tim Robinson sketch about the selfies where you oh, have to yeah. say like how awful you look and you know yeah it's uh, it's one the, of the uh, best sketches version before the homeowner version of that yeah the uh, oh god these well now I don't apologize anymore Bob Bob's used to what my place yeah. is it's it's not so bad it's <laughs> uh, you know I look I need a new dresser Bob and I can't I just have too many t-shirts but I refuse to stop buying new t-shirts give to the t-shirt fairy <laughs> aka Goodwill. I, I have a lot of, uh, I mean, I, I collect a lot of thrift store items, and so my apartment is kind of like a, I guess what I wish my eighth grade bedroom would have been, like if I had <laughs> income then. And uh, so if, you know, if I've been dating and somebody comes back, I always have to be like, please don't tell anyone I live like this. It has to be, <laughs> there, there is a, still an apology. You have to have an NDA for them to sign. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, well, this little dinner sketch that they have here, it does feel almost like uh, SNL-ish and where it's just a bunch yeah. of... Uh, yeah. Indian, his clothes are different than my clothes style jokes. A little bit, yeah. where where my hot mama slamming the bead curtain shut, just like they're different than me. That, that's what I feel like all the jokes are in a kind of groany way. But that I don't feel like is like Not malicious, vicious, or no, mean. But no. it does feel like here are things white people watching know about Indian culture. Let's do every version of those jokes. Mm-hmm. Like you know what the you kind of know what the food is like. You kind of know about uh, you at least know Mahatma Gandhi mm-hmm. and things like that. So I feel and like Ravi Shankar. Yeah, yeah, just all it's the like touchstones. A, it, yeah, like a stand up comics joke about everything's a different combination of chickpeas and lentils you yeah. know it's, it's it's pretty basic but a little fairly innocuous i guess 
Yeah, yeah. I I never thought that the way The Simpsons writes Apu comes from a place of like hate or anger but more ignorance if anything but yeah i so i i don't think it's it's too bad but i i would totally understand if other people were more offended on it than i would uh was of it but the but it's not great uh but the i do like i didn't know the jerry's jar reference until now that oh, it's okay. a, a jerry lewis charity yeah, thing jerry's I, kids i never had a jerry's jar at any of my local places it was like march of dimes much more than a jerry's jar in uh in florida calling somebody a jerry's kid was an insult in uh, for me growing oh, up oh man we didn't uh, take advantage of that in yeah. our ableist slurring <laughs> in school back then don't try it today I, i'd never heard of a jerry's jar i thought maybe they couldn't say jerry's kids because of, yeah you know they, they might get sued because of that so but yeah i mean you knew what they were talking about I guess it's a more informal thing. Also, on a continuity note, it's it's funny that uh, Pooh is is complimenting Manjula's looks when it's her standard character model. Like she didn't, they didn't change it, or she's not drawn to be like dressing up for it, whatever. But this I think- episode would have been the perfect opportunity to sort of flesh out that Manjula character because you have Jan Hooks there and like you know what's her side of this and she's just kind of an accessory which is kind of a shame yeah jan hooks she does good with what she's given but she yeah she is very much like the young uh somewhat nagging wife mm. like she she's either romantically excited and deeply in love with apu or she's upset with him for lying kind of doesn't have much else going on i i do like that uh, this episode has a rare moment of marge talking to another adult woman Woman. yeah but of course it's about housekeeping like, and, and men <laughs> and men yes yeah uh but uh let's talk about that concert against bangladesh gag if we really want to get into it so first off the, the gag is it's about the concert for bangladesh that's what they're parodying in the title which short version is it's a one of the first benefit concerts done at madison square garden august 1st 1971 they actually did two concerts that day started by ravi shankar the a uh, the Indian musician and also George Harrison, one of his best buddies who they worked a ton together on the, in the Beatles years and after. And, you know, there was a lot of upheaval and, you know, military action going on in India in 1971 and with Pakistan as well. And so they wanted to get money that could be given to UNICEF that could then spread humanitarian aid there. And like UNICEF actually owns the, the album and the love concert film. So mm, okay. it, it makes all the profit off of it though. Uh, the depressing fact I found out about it was that because they like failed on some of their nonprofit paperwork ahead of time for some reason the irs held a lot of the money for a long time that some of it didn't reach the uh un and unicef until the early 80s like Jeez. that's that's how long they had to sit on it just thanks to irs be bullshit like that that was very depressing to find out uh but i it's the album is a great album i i, I said it many times it was one of my favorite things to play when i worked at a video store because i it was just music in the background just a fun concert film and I, I really like the uh, joke of putting on the record because it's a fun mislead in that you think they're making a racist joke and he's like oh wait let me adjust the rpms and it's frank sinatra <laughs> yes that's uh that was a weird yeah i was glad they did that uh, the, they kind of had their cake and ate it too a little oh bit, yeah oh but, yeah yeah but also concert against bangladesh with a mushroom cloud was a 
much more current reference to uh, it yeah. because in 1998, Pakistan was testing nukes and announcing itself as a nuclear power. And in the uh, in the pre-9-11 years, a big concern was what if India and Pakistan go to war again, but this time with nukes? Like, it, So it's weird that Apu would have that album. <laughs> yes, it's an odd album for him to own. And also at the concert for Bangladesh, a Sinatra-style crooner sings a song. Like that's on the album he puts on. <laughs> Uh, it's it's weirder the more you think about it. Yeah, we get the chickpeas, lentils, rice gag. I will say you're forgetting potatoes, cauliflower. There's so much going on. I mean, curry. Indian curry, food's delicious. The greatest, yeah. Oh, it's, it, I mean, maybe this is culturally insensitive, but I kind of think of it as the Doritos of uh, ethnic foods if you're uh-huh. a, a white bread person growing up because I hadn't tried it at all growing up. We ate, you know, very meat and potatoes Midwestern, and I moved to an actual city and tried it for the first time, and it's like your taste buds wake up. I mean, the mm. spices are so incredible it it's uh it hits you over the head it's it's so good yeah i think i had indian food for the first time when i was 25 and i was like who kept this for me yes, yeah. exactly and if you're yeah. a vegetarian i'm a vegetarian too and it's it's a godsend it's just so flavorful oh it's good now i'm hungry yeah. for indian food mm, <laughs> me too we got a good we got a couple good ones down the street from my place it's uh, uh but yes over a meal of indian food manjula learns the horrible secret of weekends I'm so glad we were able to get together. Well, you know how hard it is to pry these two away from work. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Homer's a real (laughs) go-getter. Yeah, I'm going right to the top. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. What's in Elt Down? (laughs) I don't understand, Marge. Doesn't Homer work a standard 18-hour day? 18 hours? Nobody works that hard. But he does work every day, right? Well, pretty much. Except weekends. Weekends? Uh, say, who's up for a game of Ganeshkin up? You told me it was an American tradition to work all the time and never see your wife. Yes, perhaps I stretch the truth a bit, but the Quickie Mart, she is a harsh mistress. I think you just don't want to see me. <laughs> Maybe we should just close the door. So I wanted to land on uh, Ganeshkanop <laughs> for a little bit. So that is uh, apparently the Indian version of Ganipkanop. Mm-hmm. And Ganipkanop is uh, ping pong spelled backwards. And Oh, my my mind has been blown. Yes, this wow. is uh, a 70s I toy. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Whoa. And uh, so the people writing this are kids of the 60s and 70s. And I would hear on Mystery Science Theater and similar shows, uh, let's play Ganipkanop, like a, just a silly toy. So I have a commercial for Ganipkanop. We're going to play, and uh, you should look it up to see how it's played, but essentially, uh, this is the world before video games. It was a cursed world. <laughs> we did not invent video games yet, but basically, you're on one side and someone's on the other side, and you're using these little plungers to launch your three balls through their three holes. They're trying to do the similar thing to you, and it uh, looks very bad and tacky and uh, not fun to play, but uh, the commercial is fun. Parker Brothers' new Ganip Ganop is very easy to play. You simply try to ganip your three balls through the hoops into the other side, and the other guy tries to ganop his three balls into your side. But while you're ganipping, he's ganopping. You're trying to outganip him while he's trying to outganop you. So ganip down to your store and grab the new game from Parker Brothers before they're all ganoped. From Parker Brothers, ganip ganop. 
So yeah, wow. Apu said Ganesh Ganap, uh, naming the, of course, the uh, Hindu deity. But uh, yeah, again, this is the world before video games. I'm happy it was born to the world after video My games. God, and yeah. not having to suffer through ganipping your ganap or whatever <laughs> the rules are. Oh, I love vintage board games. I'm a big board game person. And I went looking up. I thought Ganesh Ganap was like an actual game that they that they might have done some research. I totally did not get the joke. And I, I feel ashamed for not getting I, it. I think I got it for the first time this viewing. But you have to know about Ganesh and you have to know about Ganip Ganop mm-hmm. and you have to understand what Apu is saying too. I, so it's like a three if it's there are three challenges to get this joke. <laughs> yeah, well, and because it's an ADR gag too, like the mouth or I think it is the mouth movements feel that way, and so he kind of has to rush saying it like Ganishkin up. It is uh, extra complicated. I I knew Ganipkin up as a name of a board board game or something, but I never looked into it until this this podcast about what it was. Uh, we grew up with with pig pong. Do you remember pig pong? It oh, was a no. uh, little pig that you could squeeze and they would puff air and then you had a little paper ball that you'd put over a net so you could play uh, kind of volleyball on your table I guess and uh, it never you could never get a volley going by squeezing <laughs> air through a little pig it's it sounds fu- more fun than it is it yeah. Yeah. sounds fundamentally flawed the uh, the the amount of clacking and pushing, yeah, it uh, that reminds me of hungry hungry hippos. That's the closest I've, I've yeah. Played that. To launch those balls, you're doing basically a hungry hungry hippos plunger push. <laughs> but the older you get, like the more physical, like that's only a game for children too. Because unless the game is super weighted, you're just going to shove it around. The more intense it, it looks, it looks very cheap. Yeah, it was funny that he referenced this apparently Indian version of an American game because two very famous games uh, that we play in America, or at least board classic board games, do have Indian origins, such as Shoots and Ladders, which was Snakes and Ladders, and uh, Parcheesi, which was Pacheesi hmm. uh, in, in Indian culture like that's uh, And that's just a couple examples of it. So he could have he could have asked to play Snakes and Ladders if he uh, but that would be a more accurate joke, perhaps not funnier. But aren't jokes funnier when they're more accurate? They should all be accurate. Yeah, this joke was not for many people either. So, you know, I don't think it would have been much better or worse. And I forgot that this episode was the birth of the Elt Down line. Like, what's I, I swear I saw that on a number of Homer, uh, Latter-day Homer t-shirts, like post-season 10 t-shirts. Like, what's an Elt Down? Was he looking at a pager? No, the pager okay. aspect of it was not there. It was more like him sitting at his control station and says, what's an Elt Down? Which, that joke doesn't, it, the joke is that... That a pager missed a letter like that's the joke or homer can't read <laughs> could be that too yeah <laughs> we can all identify with the situation of realizing that you're ruining a lie that your friend had with somebody else where you <laughs> go like well no that's not what we do at the office we do that and then the the person's partner looks at them like wait you told me that this <laughs> is what happened you're like oh no i ruined i ruined this for this person i destroyed their lie an example of that i remember was when i worked at a movie theater some woman came in asking if a co-worker like my assistant manager was there i was like oh no he's not there i don't know where he's at she's like oh, okay and she leaves uh and then when he comes in he's coming to the movie theater on a date with his girlfriend who is not this woman mm. and i just tell him like oh hey by the way uh this woman was asking for you, you know where she's at and he's like 
like stares at me like what are you saying is in front of my girlfriend like i don't even think he was up to anything but just the i created a problem by asking that in front of his girlfriend the mysterious beautiful woman was looking for you <laughs> i had that happen with um I, my friend was having a birthday party when we were like i don't know maybe 11 or something or 10 and i i just didn't feel like going and so i i told him my my uh i was at my grandma's and then two days later my parents were giving us a ride up to a movie somewhere and um he said very deliberately, so how was your grandma's? And I was like, fine. And my dad goes, we weren't at grandma's the uh, other day. And I was like, yeah, we were. Don't you remember, dad? We went up just to visit. And and uh, and then, the, you know, my buddy would not let it go. And uh, to this day, he still references like, are, are you sure you can come or you have to go to your grandma's today? He will not let me forget about it. Yeah, no one ever sincerely says, don't you remember when we did this thing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a vaudevillian thing almost, yeah. <laughs> Apu and Manjula get in a fight. They are apparently speaking like legitimate Hindi uh, there, like that they gave to the actors to say phonetically. So uh, I did look up uh, from Googling, apparently... Uh, please forgive me if I'm wrong on this Googling. I'm sorry. But from Googling, apparently the word Sala in Hindi can mean jerk or... Manjula um, does not mean spaceship. The Homer's wrong on that case. But uh, but I do like the Homer's stupid presumption of like, I bet through context clues I could understand what they're saying. I bet. I, I, I've had that stupid thought sometimes of hearing people speaking in another language. I'm like, I bet I could figure it out. Uh, and when they exit, it's kind of hard to tell if this, if this is Fiesta Terra or not with a terrace where that's where Apu lived before we uh the only other time we'd seen the outside of his building was when uh he was with uh, princess cashmere in his uh true lisa's pony episode uh, his apartment reminds me of how it looked in lisa on ice like the first time we saw the yeah, inside of it yeah the interior yeah. so i mean he can't afford a big place just yet i though i think even when he has octuplets he still doesn't move into a house he doesn't <laughs> i got speaking of like um Checking off the jokes about Indian uh, society. Yeah. Kama Sutra joke here. Maybe we should leave. Uh-uh, no way. I don't want to miss a word. You don't know what they're saying. I'm picking it up. Sala seems to mean jerk, and I think Manjula means some kind of spaceship. Ah, uh, this could take a while, folks. Thank you. Come again. Well, I hope we didn't get up who in too much trouble. Oh, they're newlyweds. They'll just talk things out and top it off with some loving. Oh, dear. Hmm. <laughs> Either put that book down or let me drive. Hey, they stole our idea. Homer has thumbed through the Kama Sutra before. Oh, uh, yeah. By the way, yeah. it's not Karma Sutra. I get so furious when I hear that. Mm. But uh, remember, I forget it was, it was Grandpa versus Sexual Inadequacy. Yeah, and when was, they yeah, were sorry. in the sex section of the bookstore. That's right before Lisa bought Al Gore's book. He says, ooh, this guy looks like a poo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this, out of context, that sounds really bad. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, that... Kama Sutra jokes, I feel like they, they went away because like people are just more knowledgeable about sexual positions and stuff. I think the to you know, a more buttoned-down American populace, the idea of a book of all these different wild-looking positions was really crazy. But I, I feel like sexual literacy in American culture is better now that you, seeing a position in the Kama Sutra is not like, whoa, how do you do that? 
I think it reminded me of a little bit of I, I forget who it was. I was talking to somebody about the show Night Court, and uh, he had the observation that Dan Fielding, who was sort of the the John Larroquette sex maniac character, it was always like a ninth grade boy's idea of what kinkiness was so it's always like oh yeah with the peanut butter and the handcuffs you know or he'd be <laughs> caught with the kama sutra it's like oh, the most basic understanding of what a kink is and i feel like yeah the kama sutra was that in in this era and i mean after 1999 with the internet we we all know too much about sex now yeah it's so not we all, funny <laughs> we all have instant access to every kind of pornography mm-hmm. and from what i read millennials aren't having sex that's what i've heard yeah yeah <laughs> Or spending too much money on avocado. After the avocado toast, we're just like, I just feel nothing downstairs. <laughs> I do like that line that it makes you wonder of like, what is this position that Homer and Marge think they invented? Mm. Like that. I like the a joke that asks a question like that. They're very comfortable with each other in this mm. uh, act. <laughs> and this is a sex positive Marge, which is always a good. You know, I feel like they're they're pretty good with that. So this is not she, the same Marge who shut down the the Maison Derriere. Yeah, she she's uh. Crack- Crashing the car, too, while reading the uh, Kama Sutra. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, another show would have done the joke of, like, you don't show me that or whatever. But she, Imara just says, like, oh, yeah, like, she's she's into it as much as Homer. Uh, and then, without warning, it becomes a Valentine's Day episode in the second act. Just <laughs> smashes you in the face with, like, Valentine's Day headquarters. Which uh, was definitely, I don't think I saw the commercials before the episode, so... Would it be in my first viewing at 16? I was like, oh, I guess it is Valentine's Day, isn't it? Why are I out on a date? <laughs> uh, I knew the answer to that. <laughs> this did take me back to um, my thoughts of my dad never buying a gift for my mom, maybe ever, maybe, maybe three times. He just, uh, not a, not a, gift-given type of guy, my dad. Uh, and certainly not on Valentine's Day. So Homer getting a card honestly seemed like, oh, that's better. You know, he actually bought a card. The uh, I think at least maybe one year he came in with the, like, convenience store box of chocolates. Maybe he bothered with that much. But- Gas stations do sell roses mm-hmm. on Valentine's Day. Uh, I, I think it's better to get the roses that are also underwear. Because, <laughs> you know, it's practical afterwards. They also sell those giant, like, three-foot-by-five-foot cards that that play music and are always in cellophane, which I think is the the most romantic gesture you can do for somebody. (laughs) Uh, Red cellophane, the most beautiful of cellophanes. And I don't think Valentine's Day cards have improved. I had to buy one last year, and there were no good ones, so I picked out a a bad one. And I think it was uh, something along the lines of, I like you more than I like pizza. Then you open the card, it says, and I love pizza. And I was like, well, we both like pizza, so... uh, (laughs) She'll get it. Uh, that's uh, yeah. I mean, the monkey. It's about on par with Homer's yeah. monkey card. Uh, I uh, had a job for a year writing greeting cards. Oh and, wow! Um, yeah, it was this place in Hoboken that uh, did kind of the funny greeting cards you'd get at like Spencer Gifts, or you know, it was it was those kind of cards. And um, I would write jokes that I thought were funny, and then I what I realized is the tough part is to write the inside. So the inside always has to tie in with you know, whatever the funny gag is on the front. And it has to be a little bit sincere. And it was this whole art form that I didn't know. And I also found out that the uh, greeting card industry is cutthroat. People stealing other people's ideas for cards. Oh, wow. I witnessed a almost coming to blows at a greeting card trade show in New York (laughs) over, yeah, a card that was the best-selling card our company ever had, which was, I believe it was Santa putting up a sign that said, missing reindeer, and the reindeer was in his butt crack. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) and... 
this artist had jumped ship from our company to another company and found out that our guy was still selling them. And he kind of grabbed my boss by the shirt and shook him around. And <laughs> this was at a greeting card trade show. Wow. So, cutthroat. <laughs> I think I might have seen that card or maybe the ripoff of it somewhere. Yeah, there's like a missing dog, you know, oh, version. Yeah. There's yeah. a missing cat version. They made every permutation. Yeah, I've definitely seen the the dog or the cat one of those. Yeah. Wow, that's a I we talk about how much things have changed, but one thing that hasn't changed since this episode is like this is still how greeting cards are purchased at bro like CVS down the street from me or Rite Aid or or what have whatever your region has. Uh and I it's hard for me even after this joke on the Simpsons making it clear like don't be like Homer it still is hard for me to resist like do I gotta search for where I grab this from and put the card back yeah. in the right place like oh uh, right yeah <laughs> just make your own cards that would be my advice to everybody it's more personal it's yeah it's I, I just can't imagine buying a greeting card for anybody anymore let's say an e-card uh sure yeah. My mom sends me fun e-cards. She's, she's done that a few times. Some so. jib-jabs. <laughs> uh, well, now uh, what I do is if I if I buy something uh, off of, say, Sherry's Berries, I just put a personalized note in there of like, uh, happy birthday, mom. And it just and so on. Berries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, I at least change the typeface on it. And like, I don't mm-hmm. just let Sherry's Berries decide. That's my font. To, how to say happy Mother's Day. She can look forward to some Sherry's Berries coming real soon on her birthday mm. i think her and my stepdad really like it i think it's uh <laughs> uh but yeah this this whole bit here with apu trying to figure out how to deal with manjula this does set them on a road that i don't think they've gotten off of since then which is that like apu is a bad husband and manjula is kind of a nag in reaction to that of like he's he's miserable either at being a father of eight children or like in one episode he for real cheats on her like he is in there's infidelity with a yeah. uh, quickie mart delivery lady that feels like the end of their arc it's like a four episode arc where this is number two number three is when they have the kids and number four is when he cheats on her and i think they were channeling their hatred of having kids through <laughs> oh, that sure. next episode yeah but i but though they still stay together i always wondered like al Jean on one of the commentaries i think he joked but half joking pitched of like well you know manjula could always divorce him and take the kids back to india and boom you got apu back to status quo like that'd be easy to do but they never they've never done it like manjula still still around and now you don't see apu much at all right is that oh yeah well he's just gone now so you just don't the last four years or so i think they just don't have him around so yeah and problem uh, solved yeah yeah i mean in that way it 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 avoids any problems but uh yes homer is uh hearing about all the problems at home morning apu Still in hot water with the squaw. Worse than ever, I am afraid. My shameful neglect has made her feel unloved. Now I fear she will leave me. Oh, she's not going to leave you right before Valentine's Day. That'd be like going to an air show and leaving before the plane crash. Oh, oh, you are right. There's still seven days before Valentine's. Ah, seven chances to prove my love for sweet Manjula. Sweet Manjula. I'll be at most. So Humber calls uh, Manjula a squaw, yeah. which is a word I hadn't heard in a while, and he's confusing uh, just what kind of Indian Apu is. I think so, yes. Because uh, a <laughs> squaw is a derogatory term, don't use it, but mm-hmm. it was referring to a Native American woman. 
I think that was supposed to be Homer being more of like playful? a... Playful? Well, a playful, but in the way of uh, Ralph Cramden or something. Of just, I feel every, most of these scenes where Homer talks with Apu in this way, it feels more like an old, old, like 50s-style sitcom of like walking in like, hey, what's uh, going on with you, buddy? Yeah. Like that kind of situation. There, there are a lot of buddy-buddy scenes of Homer and Apu in mm. Scully's uh, years. Yeah, he was, was sort of the uh, Ralphie boy and... What was the what was Art Carney's character? In, uh, uh, Norton. Norton. Yeah, yeah, Norton. Yeah, Apu's <laughs> yeah. sort of the Norton in these years. I guess after they stopped Homer from doing anything at the nuclear power plant, he needed other men to hang out with outside <laughs> yes, of Moe's. Yeah. And to explain plot points to, and to, <laughs> if he's not, well, he, he's going straight from the quickie mart where he buys all of his candy to the <laughs> lick to the bar where he's going to drink everything. And thumbs up to the writers on their restraint that it took him a year of manjula being in the show mm. before doing the mint julep joke i think you would enjoy a sweet mint julep uh, it's you know i've had i had one kind of recently at at the blue bayou the restaurant in disneyland that's in the pirates of the caribbean and it was fine it was fine i was like ah, this mint julep's more trouble than it's worth i'd rather stick with a uh, a less silly drink i think i know certain people can't like divorce the mint flavor from toothpaste so mm. i know like i, I love mint uh, ice cream or mint flavored things and mint soap and things but but a lot of people can't do it that's me i can't do it i can't oh. yeah. uh i can't eat mint chocolate in the same way with uh floral stuff like lavender flavors it just tastes like oh there's soap in my mouth and I need to spit it out. Fun uh, mystery science theater fact, doing sort of craft services, I brought, uh, I thought it'd be fun to bring cream sodas for everybody. I got like a local cream soda. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kevin Murphy jokingly um, just kind of read me the riot act. He's like, it's like drinking frosting. And I said, that sounds great. What's the problem? with? Drink? I mean, that's a selling point, but not a cream soda fan, Kevin. Well, Kevin I, seems like a fun guy. I would assume he drank frosting at least once. You would think, but no, I guess not. He, he drew the line there. You know, I, I'm a pro mint foods kind of guy. I like it. I mean, it's not, is it the first ice cream flavor I would get? No, but if people offered it, it would be like the third level, third tier for me. I uh, My mom talked about that too, that she is one of those people who just thinks i'm eating toothpaste when i'm eating mint stuff but i i still love the i do love the taste of mint, especially mint and chocolate that is a delicious combo for me so bob not even a shamrock shake for you oh no that's like no. drinking uh some kind of super frosting <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay got it I, uh, I also, there's some really funny drawings throughout this episode. And one of my favorites is the Duff calendar that, you know, uh, Apu's looking at the calendar, but the calendar is Surly Duff in a car. In a Corvette, like a red Corvette. <laughs> yes. So I love how joyless he is in that drawing. Uh, like, you'd want that on a calendar. It's just so funny because it's already the easy joke of like, you know, it would be a bikini girl calendar normally, but instead it's a, the, the guys in the seven Duff costumes that nobody but the super fans remember that. It feels like one of those jokes that like the the animators draw in because they remember how funny the seven duffs were yeah and later in life they had to make up the final three duffs because only four are named in that episode so i yeah. think aren't they all represented at simpsons land yeah there's topiaries of yeah them at, uh, at the i got a Springfield. picture of me in front of surly looking surly i mean who would take a picture with like remorseful you gotta get <laughs> it with surly <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yes, we come into the Sunday morning paper and which does actually I didn't realize it until now when they say the seven days of it, it fits. That's the Sunday paper. The Sunday would have been the seventh because the next Sunday is 
the 14th when that episode aired. It's true, but possible scandal, depending on how you count Apu's uh, magical things he does for Manjula, I only counted six. It is seven if you count the announcement, but the announcement says there will be seven. Well, so wait, are you counting the wildflowers on the bed thing? Yes, so uh, right. I'll go over right, these right now. Hear. I went over these. Uh, I have notes here. So number one is the bed full of flowers. Number two, oh, you know what? I just realized one of the surprises we don't see. Oh, so, okay. Uh, number one is the bed full of flowers. Number two is the macaw inviting her to the opera. So if do you want to combine those? Mm. Macaw opera is one surprise. Yeah, I guess that would count. Well, but they were on the same day, though. It was it was more like introducing the surprise was from the bird. So you would count that as one surprise then, right? Mm, if it's multiple... Well, he promises seven days of love. So yeah. if, if there were 17 surprises on one day, it would still only count as one day. That's true. Okay. So uh, day three, chocolate husband. Day four, horse-drawn carriage. Day five, we have sky riding. And the sixth surprise is Elton John. Mm, but that also was the same day yeah. as the sky riding. So you're right. There's like two There's two days of surprises unaccounted for there. One of them has to be a deleted scene or something like that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I... But again, accurate jokes are funnier. <laughs> so I can't, I can't agree with this. Can I suggest a new sound cue to play for when, when you, when you guys are splitting hairs over <laughs> um, a detail about this? Sure. The it, audience it's yawning. A, it's a, let's define our terms here, gentlemen. Are we talking about redistricting or rezoning? <laughs> oh, That's I, you from know the, what? From I am... the public affairs show that... It depends uh, yeah. on what you mean by crisis, Henry. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to steal that. You know, uh, people can look forward to that in a future, a future jingle. Cannot wait. Well, let's define our terms, gentlemen. Are we talking about redistricting or are we talking about reapportionment? Also, another very typical season 10 Homer is cruelty, though it feels worse when he does it to a dog. Like, especially a very, it's Santa's little helper being the most behaved he's ever been. And then he gets shamed by Homer is so me. It makes me feel worse than a dozen strangulations of Bart. They do feel bad on the commentary. They're like, oh. <laughs> He was a good boy. Uh, but yes, the, the paper is here. Marge wants to uh, read about uh, Scullery Week. So, of course, it's housekeeping related as well as Homer is throwing away all the things. Uh, uh, right now, by the way, not many investment opportunities in Yemen. No. I think. Uh, <laughs> but I won't make more jokes about that. In the 90s, though, booming. <laughs> uh, and uh, But yes, uh, it's time for the personal ads. All right, the personals. Hmm. <laughs> Successful mayor type seeks open-minded, discreet cheerleader type. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, here's one. Desperately seeking suck. Hey, look at this one. <gasps> it's a poem. <gasps> From Apu. Don't just gasp. Read it. My darling bride, Manjula, I hereby mend my ways. I'll shower you with valentines for seven love-filled days. Oh, how romantic. I used to take out ads like that when we were newlyweds. The only ad you took out was to sell our lawnmower. We sold it, didn't we? I love how Julie Kavner says poem. Oh, yeah. She has yeah. fun pronunciations that are just the way she talks. Like, I love how in Itchy and Scratchy Lane, she says vacation. Oh, she does say, yeah. I, that's just Julie coming through in the character. Where's she from? But maybe I'm just th equating her with the character she played on Rhoda. But I would assume, like, you know, New York, classic New Yorker yeah, type. Actually, that's she's, what I thought, but she's yeah, is from, it regional? She's from Los Angeles. What? Yeah. Really? I don't know where that accent comes from. I don't know where her family is from. But well, then she's uh, just a great actor, that yeah. Julie Kavner. <laughs> uh, man, another L.A. kid. All these L.A. kids in the, in the entertainment industry. 
Disgusting. <laughs> uh, that poem is long too because like that's that you pay by the letter in those ads. So Apu Apu must be spending a lot of his savings on all of this for uh, it, which it's kind of self defeating. Like he's in this problem because he worked so hard to save up all this money, and now he's spending thousands of dollars on all these Valentine's Day gifts. Well, uh, you know those classified ads kept most newspapers alive. So mm-hmm. now that the internet has destroyed them, they're all being bought up by like right wing conglomerates mm-hmm. to be uh, propaganda. Yeah. So that's the, that's the fate of most newspapers now. Uh, that's man, it was the sex propping it up all the time mm-hmm. or those uh those ads that all the ways they had to talk around being clearly a um sex worker and not just like a s- massage or what have no, you. Deborah wants to spend time with me. Mm-hmm. It's body work. <laughs> it's body work. Yes, Greek body work. That's the mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh I do like them commenting on Marge's multiple gasps too. That was yeah. uh, that has fun postmodern stuff. But also that's a very accurate reaction of a kid finding some sexual thing accidentally you're like hey look at that hey whoa that's <laughs> desperately seeking suction yeah. really very funny joke uh i think i had that hey reaction recently when i was um i was at my mom and stepdad's place in my like i guess i guess you call them stepbrother and his sons uh or son and daughter they were there and they're like five and three and we just left hbo on in the in the living room during christmas time and like like the kids were I then turned to see it is one of the most the most sexually explicit scenes in Game of Thrones history is on t- the oh. screen and I they're about to turn the corner to the TV they're like hey what's over there like well, uh, where's your transformer over there Christmas is HBO's annual fuck fest I know. it's uh it was I couldn't believe it, it was on <laughs> I had kind of the opposite situation as I was watching um Airplane was on HBO which is a movie we had on Laserdisc it was like a favorite movie but but I knew where the boobs were in that movie. I knew exactly when there's turbulence and a pair of boobs come by. And my whole family is there, my younger sister, my mom. And this was like not terribly long ago, maybe like 10 years ago. So we're all adults. And yet when that scene came up, my dad must have remembered it and turned the channel and acted like he did it on accident. <laughs> wow. And then tur- and then turned it back, you know, after that scene was done. And, and my sister's like, hey, what happened? You turned the channel. And I knew why, but nobody else did. And he kind of took one for the team. And I was so grateful because uh. I, I wouldn't have wanted to watch that with my mom and sister i do i do recall a memory of uh my parents pretty permissive i was watching r-rated movies when i was like 10 or 11 and we were watching the classic uh, hot shots part deux and there was a parody of the sex scene in top gun Mm. and i was like uh what's going on in the kitchen Yeah, they didn't I, tell me to leave. I was just like, I'm very uncomfortable uh, around my parents watching this. But even with the distance of that being a farce, you couldn't sit comfortably through it, right? No, I, mean, I had a lot to figure out. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's like the naked gun when they're both in giant full body condoms. Like, yeah, I I never wanted to be with my parents watching that. Well, also, that's uh, what was it on our our friends show, the We Ate Movies guys. The the chuckle dick is their term for that, <laughs> yeah. where it's like, well, this is a joke, but also they don't aren't you a little turned on you can't mix the two no it's it's, i i never understood that like flesh gordon the movie flesh gordon it's like it's not funny and it's not sexy enough to get the job done so why does it exist you know (laughs) yeah it's uh i guess it was to satisfy at least one movie producer's own uh (laughs) job yes we have a video we found called uh from 1997 called how to have cyber sex on the internet Oh, and it, it's ostensibly a, an instructional tape, but there's like topless women showing you how to do this. So it is that fine line where it's it's too sexy to be 
genuinely informational uh and and not sexy enough for the other reason so you know it's it's one of these like it's for no one <laughs> well for things in the era of like flesh gordon and ch- the chuckle dick era we're talking about <laughs> if you were an adult male you'd be like well i see a different pair of boobs every five months so i would welcome them into my life sure sure or well you also in in that tapes case it's it's hard to discount the uh the existence of gag gifts and just like oh, yeah buying a joke gift like ah you know like you give it to a friend at some work party and they tear it open like oh, i bet you'd like that huh yeah i went to the garbage it goes <laughs> yes and i worked at blockbuster too where they couldn't rent porn movies but they had the the sort of skinamax style oh yeah uh, and some guy would come in and rent like five of them and i i just never understood because but you know hardcore pornography existed so it was like are you just sort of horny today i mean is it, it's usually all or nothing <laughs> Uh, he was working his way up to actual porn. <laughs> yeah, I think there might have been some guilt involved, and maybe oh, that's yeah. how they kept that, those in business. Well, because then, you know, you'd have to... Well, so I also am a former Blockbuster employee, and yeah, I my my feeling on those would be if they... In the, where I lived, there was one porno shop, like, over the county line, and you'd feel really skeezy if you went in there, and you just felt, I think... People had to get over that level of shame, and part of that was renting. Uh, the regular one in my place was the candid, candid video uh, ones, or which were also called, I think, like, um, what do you say to a naked lady? Which basically were Alan Funt hosting candid camera, except the joke is a naked woman walks into the room. Hilarious. <laughs> Always funny. But Well, that's why I, th- I think in, in the ways that you try to steal as many, you know, boobs, things as you could back in that era, I, I that's why I appreciated the uh, truly tasteless jokes reference with, yeah. uh, with Wiggum. I don't want to skip ahead, but mm. that that's what you would do to get some titillation is read dirty jokes at Walden Books <laughs> because it was as close to pornography as you could get. This is all the stuff the internet killed. You just can't, it, you don't, you don't have it anymore. It was better the way that we did it when we yes, grew up yeah our childhoods were the right one <laughs> exactly uh but yes marge is already getting frustrated uh at the personal note but when she hears the reports of the uh romantic evening manjula got she gets extra jealous i feel like the luckiest woman in springfield ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh! he loves a nightlife he loves manjula the man they call a poo Oh, yeah. <laughs> he has trained a bird to sing to me. <laughs> Limo out front. Tickets to opera. Front row lows. <laughs> Just once I'd like a parent to say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> then the bird sang I Love the Nightlife with clever new lyrics. Yeah, I hate that song. I do, too, but it was sweet. <laughs> Women really like that sort of thing, homie. Don't worry, honey. I got something really special planned for Valentine's Day. It's not that monkey card I found in the car, is it? Wouldn't you like to know? So Homer is not oblivious to Marge's uh, disappointment. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I uh, just recently, my husband liked all the gifts I got him for his birthday, but I did have a couple monkey card fears in bed <laughs> of like, 
Did I get did I get a lesser gift? Did I fuck up this gift? Is it not as good as it could be? I was just happy to see a scene in a sitcom where a parrot is not injured after a period. Yeah, Bob the parrot owner loves pro parrot uh jokes. Like well also Nancy, it's so weird. Like normally it'd be Dan doing that voice. It's so weird to hear an animal sound be from Nancy Cartwright. Yeah. But she sings great as the, the in the parrot <laughs> voice. Yeah, they didn't hire like Frank Welker to do it. It mm-hmm. was uh yeah, I like that. So a poo has has written like two parody songs oh, in yeah, this episode right he does <laughs> training that parrot like that probably had to take him a very long time that was very involved not I will just say, to sing the song talk about joke accuracy to not mm-hmm. belabor a point is that uh it sounds like a poo hired a woman to sing to the bird otherwise the bird would sound like a poo ah, henry you know my bird sounds yes. just like me yes yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, are we talking about redistricting or rezoning? <laughs> exactly. They're <laughs> different <our> concepts. <laughs> uh. Well, let's define our terms, gentlemen. Are we talking about redistricting or are we talking about reapportionment? I like that they both agree they hate the the one-hit wonder song, I Love the Nightlife, as well. I do, too. They're, they're united in that. And uh, I just learned that the singer of that song, Alicia Bridges, she uh, is a lesbian. I did not hmm. know that about her. Uh, I do like when they take shots at a at a very specific thing, like you know when it's all I have is Nescafe. You know, I'm very very sorry. Like they just picked a song like that to take a shot at. Another excellent visual gag is Homer reading a cereal box in bed like it's a book. That's I didn't even think about it twice until I listened to the commentaries. Like, oh, I guess he's reading in a cereal box in bed. (laughs) Just took it to bed. I think they, uh, uh, you know, a good George Meyer take. You know, adding onto it would have been to dog ear it and then put it on the, the. nightstand that would have been a good addition yeah that would have been good they don't make uh, cereal box backs the way they used to either not as informational as they used to be the no Kashi more. best friends i think still tells you a little story there's no more games on them oh yeah no i think uh, though i don't know the even the the backs of like count chocula or whatever they don't have a good enough stuff on the back of them those uh limited edition ones any more lore about the <laughs> count in his extended yeah. universe <laughs> and uh then we get to the uh the chocolate apu line uh which is i do think it's it it almost is too sweaty but i do like the name of like the baron von munch's house the yeah. chocolate place it's i like that effort that it even has like a a, a hot air balloon as part of that van oh that's right well. yeah it's mostly about letting hank azaria go nuts in this oh, fun like yes. ad libby take of apu almost dying So then the second salesman says, that's okay. I just ate all the hot buttered corn. (laughs) You like that one, baby? Hmm. Sarah, what's wrong? Usually after two or three truly tasteless jokes, you're all over me. Manjula got to see Lobo M. Sarah, please. Sarah, it's $10 a pill. (laughs) <laughs> Ten dollars a pill. That's the most dialogue from Sarah Wiggum I think we've seen so far. That yeah, one sentence. Yeah, she'll have a couple more lines at the end of this too. That but. <laughs> so uh, truly tasteless jokes was a book trilogy series mm. from eighty two to eighty four, and that joke 
he tells is probably the one of the dirtiest things they snuck into the show. I uh, only learned that joke like ten years ago. I only learned it yeah. like today. Oh, really? Uh, I could tell a cleaned up version of it sure, without, well, without like, all of the details. Yeah. So two hobos, they're walking around being hobos. They see a pie on a windowsill. They're like, "Let's go into that old lady's house and ask if we can have some pie." And the one hobo goes to the door, asks for some pie. The lady's like, "Only if you, you know, have sexual relations with me." And the hobo's like, "Okay, close your eyes." He finds a, a big, a big ear of corn and does what you would expect him to do and he throws it out the window and the lady's like thanks a lot here's the pie and he comes out with the pie and he's like hey other hobo want some pie and the other hobo goes no thanks i just got some hot buttered corn and that's the joke i thought it was a joke about come until i read the actual joke man got it interesting i didn't know that backstory actually a joke about uh using a a ear of corn as a dildo on an old woman it's all consensual so it's okay Boy, okay. that's uh, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, I think it was my uh, my buddy Joe who pointed out that all those truly tasteless jokes were were by the the pseudonym Blanche Not, and I didn't get that that was a pun by like blanching as if you know I guess being embarrassed or something, and so you're not embarrassed oh, by these. Wow, I didn't know that either. Yeah, and it's kind of a, I mean it, they were bestsellers, and it was kind of a big scam because the editor just crowdsource jokes. Mm, They're like street jokes, so yeah. they don't really they belong belong to society. Society, I guess. Yeah. But then but, one person yeah. made money. Well, and all we have now is an abundance of truly tasteless jokes. Like, it's so open that your availability of that, you don't need to buy a book for them. You, you have more than you bargained for just going online every day. As soon as a celebrity dies, the corpse isn't even dead, you know, <laughs> isn't even stiff yet. And there's a million jokes about them. Mm-hmm. That's well, and speaking of a truly tasteless joke, it's there's a nut in my eye that always gives me pause. That <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> uh, but uh, that that's really funny acting from his area. With I, uh, Hooks is is more just like reacting. She's not uh, just giving him space to breathe with his lines. No pun intended. But the joke of just he's like need air like need he's breathe like he's just in pain. He's like I I almost died. Kind of fear there. Was that one of the, was it the first Viagra joke on The Simpsons? That is the first Viagra joke, which in 10 episodes from this one, or 9 or 10, is the line from Marge of like, I didn't know you could fit so many Viagra jokes in 30 seconds, Uh, which was them noticing that like Viagra jokes are so hacky, you don't do them, but uh, they they were overdone by the end of 1999. But this one is pretty funny that Wiggum is is more like his last ditch attempt is like, we really should get together just so this month. Money isn't wasted, you know, <laughs> like that. <laughs> And now the- Wickham is the MVP of this episode, I think. I mean, he has the funniest lines and just, you know, you hate to dissect the frog, but the fact that he his plan was to take Viagra, read her truly tasteless jokes, and then do it. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what He's a like, classy, classy night. By, by the time I finish this third joke, both our engines will be revved up and we're ready to go. And, and he's surprised that she's not into it. Yeah. yeah and I, uh, I should note that the patent has expired. Generic Viagra supports most podcasts. Oh, that's right. There are so yeah. many versions of it you can hear uh, just via podcast ads. I didn't realize that was why it, it spread so much, these herbal there, Viagra. There could be a different re- a reason, but I think it's a patent issue. But uh, I want Gilbert Goffrey to sell me Blue Chew. <laughs> Blue Chew. Blue Chew. Yeah. 
I hadn't heard of that one. I, it's the chewable boner drug. We have, <laughs> you know, we haven't hit it big enough as a podcast yet to get mm. those kind of offers, man. Uh, we some, need those big hymns contracts. <laughs> <laughs> It'll fix your hairline and your wiener. The, uh, but anyway, the, uh, could, could Sherry's berries start offering like boner pills too? Maybe like, <laughs> uh, well, they, they they'd be shipped to your mom though. They can't do that. A boner <laughs> sauce you dip the berries into <laughs> for him, uh, but. Uh, but yes, as as Valentine's Day gets closer and closer, everybody's getting intrubulated. And so with Valentine's Day one day away, all eyes are on the local Romeo whose seven-day gift-a-thon has been delighting his wife and intrubulating the rest of us. Reverend Timothy Lovejoy says he's counseled a number of disenchanted wives, including Maud Flanders. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's marriage is falling apart except ours. See, the problem's communication. Too much communication. Homer, I've gone through seven years of receipts, and you've spent less on gifts for me than you have on temporary tattoos. But Marge, it's worth it. Look, the Taco Bell dog. You killed it. Hey, where'd it go? <laughs> hey, boy. <laughs> you just don't get it. So Homer apparently believed temporary tattoos were permanent. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new level of stupid for him. Uh, the, there's an interesting aspect there that they're saying that Maud is upset with Ned. Like they're adding this strife to their relationship <laughs> that never existed before. In I, the show. I feel like that's them building in a way uh, for Ned to be in with the gang. It's always fun <laughs> to be Ned. Uh, it's always fun to have Ned there and being very reluctant and being just a very uh, square guy. Yeah, you're gang right. Of, he, uh, dorks. He wouldn't. It's hard to believe he joined in otherwise, unless you had heard that Maud and him are having problems. That's true. Yeah, I was just setting up that dynamic i think i love homer's line too of like the problem is communication too much communication <laughs> that's such a good line and that uh marge is love auditing him that's uh it's it seems a little petty but it's true homer has never bought her anything and if he if he spends more on temporary tattoos and gifts for her i think she has a right to be mad yeah also to really set this in 1999 after a viagra joke we get a taco bell dog joke yeah it is nice because it is homer Homer uh, making the joke because he mm. would just think the phrase is funny because he's stupid. It's yeah, a, it's, it's so the joke is on the Taco Bell dog being a lame joke. So a dumb guy like Homer would like it. I feel like commercial humor is the most base. You know, the people who would go buy a Dilly Dilly shirt now at a gas station or something, like mm. that's the same level of humor. Where where would you put that compared to like a Monty Python reference humor? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would say Monty Python's a, a higher echelon, mm. but only because I would quote Monty Python growing up. Oh, sure, sure. Well, now it feels like an even more specialized taste because it's, it's not the comedy nerd currency anymore. I think, you know, for when I was 16, if, me and my uh, incredibly nerdy friends would have like who can quote the most lines from holy grail uh competitions or whatever and I, and then you'd spill your ear medicine yes yeah <laughs> right <laughs> uh but i would i would think the teens of uh, the teens like that now they're they're doing it with like rick and morty quotes or something i would mm. think that's probably where it's at same thing yeah yeah or or their favorite uh twitch game pewdiepie yeah oh do you, well what did pewdiepie say when he played this scary game markiplier was feeling quite randy <laughs> <laughs> and he was heard to remark <laughs> Uh, but we then get to see all the guys complaining about Valentine's Day. This Valentine's crap has gone too far. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Edna won't even let me clap her erasers. 
My Barbara will no longer pleasure me with the French arts. The gal I'm stalking had me bumped back to 200 feet. Oh, that's too far. <laughs> and ask yourselves, people, who's to blame for all this? Well, I guess we are. I suppose I do take Maud for granted. Oh, yeah, I've done some of that myself. Will you stop it? It's easy to blame ourselves. But it's even easier to blame Apu. He's making us look bad. And uh, that's when we get the gift of the the Shriner backed horse drawn carriage. So it's a horse drawn uh, horse drawn carriage with a violin quartet and a bed and Shriners following it. <laughs> so is the implication they're going to have sex while going down the street on that bed? Is that mm. was that what's implied? <laughs> I don't know. I hope the Shriners aren't involved. I just assume that they <laughs> will follow any sort of parade style thing moving down the street. Mm. Yeah, Which... it's like moths to a flame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe they once they get to the bed portion of it they they all just stop and leave and they're like all right this is where the bed stays and we'll we'll give you guys some privacy i just i don't think i'm gonna ever see shriners driving a tiny car in my lifetime i think all the shriners uh, of that uh vintage are passing away i think so or have passed yeah, away I, I don't uh, you know i haven't tried to join the shriners they uh, or, <laughs> or the masons i don't think they'd have me now but. there was a uh, yeah my hometown parade always had the shriners doing like figure eights in the cars and i always loved it and then a couple years ago i went back to my hometown parade for the first time and um i said where are the shriners and the organizer said there was an accident during the oh, parade no. like they ran into a pedestrian and kind of creamed out of control so they've been banned from our local parade oh god the oh, shriner that's... death count is rising <laughs> yeah yeah eh. so no more shriners I mean, those kind of old men, it's dangerous, the elderly driving in general, even in a small car. Right? So. <laughs> uh, and uh, the act ends with them deciding they are going to prevent Apu's love missions, but first they're going to go back in and drink. <laughs> Drinking will help us plan, is I what Mo says. Yeah. Hank Azaria is on it in this episode with all of his improv. He's doing great. And uh, yes, they come back from the break. They're uh, basically doing a um, stakeout on Apu on this Valentine's day uh it's it feels kind of random that mo is drinking an open mug of beer in there like it's not that's right it's yeah rare to see mo actually drink himself he's i i guess it's still to note like this is the bartender he brought his mm, beer that here. could be it, in case you forgot in case you're just tuning in <laughs> between acts uh and then the great gag of homer saying uh i'll tell you when i'm driving the car and then the car starts driving away as he's yelling at mo that's that's <laughs> also pretty great uh but as they're stalking him we get a uh another the, there's a there's a lot of work to get to this punchline here maybe he's run out of romantic ideas Nah, no, not our lover boy. If I know his M.O., he saved the biggest one for today. Oh, gee, the man's just trying to show his wife he cares for her. How can we sabotage his labor of love? I don't know. Gasoline, <laughs> axes. I got some stuff in the trunk. Hey, there he goes. Let's roll. Uh, Homer, you're driving. Not yet, I'm not. You'll know when I'm driving, and it'll... Ah! <laughs> Tiffany. Looks like Smoochie's gonna seal the deal with a diamond the size of a doll's head. Ah, oh, man, he's making us look like a bunch of cheapskates. Whoa, whoa, my rope came loose. There he is, behind that shopping bag. A croissant, what the? 
Oh, that's right. They have breakfast at Tiffany's now. Only till 11. <laughs> what a weird joke. It's a very, maybe it was just my age group then, but like, especially thanks to the then popularity of the song by Deep Blue Something. That's That was my go-to. Like the second I see Tiffany's, I'm like, breakfast at Tiffany's. Was That's the only thing I think of. Like I, it would have been news to me at 16 that Tiffany sold jewelry because I just think of breakfast being there. Well, and also in, in the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's, Buddy Hackett is playing a Chinese man, uh, you know, in an awful caricature. And uh, here you have a white person voicing an Indian man and not quite so broad a caricature, but it's a little, I don't know, something about that struck me during boy, that joke. Yeah, it's true. That, uh, but it was Mickey Rooney, not... Yeah. Uh, just, or Mickey Rooney. <laughs> what did I say? Buddy Hackett? Yeah. He also did, Buddy Hackett also did a uh, horribly broad Chinese character on his, his albums. That's the reason for the confusion. Uh, I see. <laughs> I will say that the character was actually japanese but i don't think it would have mattered no I <laughs> oh god now i feel like the now i feel like the insensitive one yes. no 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 I, I, I honestly think it's like he wouldn't have changed the performance at all just like oh they're all the, they're you know who cares yeah no, it's there, gonna be the same way a, yeah yeah would have been like an egg foo young reference but instead of a sushi <laughs> reference uh but the build-up to breakfast tiffany's that just it takes a while and i do like though at least as somebody who is pained by finding out that the breakfast hours are over at a fast food place Place, I do like Homer's knowledge of like only till 11 like that's uh, though it's more like 10 or 10 30 I remember Hardee's and I lived in a Hardee's town not a Carl's Jr. Me too. town Hardee's would do it till 11 even 11 30 I think on Sundays but uh, uh, now you know I I've noticed that McDonald's went to all day breakfast but they stepped it back they decided they didn't want to do it anymore mm, they're not leaning into the McCafe that, brand I think, anymore is the, what's making them any money is just selling coffee to people yeah the last time i went in there and big city mcdonald's are notoriously awful because uh we don't have any social structure for homeless people so they usually go to fast food places to you know ask for money and buy cheap food and hang around and stuff but when i went in there just for like a small fry because i had a craving they were playing classical music and i was like mcdonald's come on what what are you doing come on no (laughs) i noticed yeah and taco bell serves breakfast and and i think we we spend a lot of time on the road and and uh, my buddy joe was going to try one of their, I don't know, breakfast burritos or something. And uh, and it was one of the Taco Bells that's inside of a gas station. And we're in the, the south somewhere. And he asked the gas station attendant, not the Taco Bell employee, like, you tried their breakfast? Do you recommend it? And he goes, it's all right if you want diarrhea. <laughs> and I'll never forget one of the funniest line reads. Uh, and it was totally unprompted. Dissuaded uh, us from the uh, Taco Bell breakfast. You know, I, I had read that McDonald's got rid of their, they didn't like the all-day breakfast as much as they thought because they generally price breakfast items lower than they price the other food. So when people get it, they're just spending less when they go there. So I think it caused it caused more problems than it was worth to them. They could turn around and listen to this. What if they took a piece of chicken, mm-hmm. fried it, mm-hmm. and then placed it between uh, two bun halves, <laughs> the world will lose its damn uh, mind. Seemingly so. And charge $8 for it. Uh, well, you see, that Popeye's sandwich craze is still going strong these days. I think people it's aren't talking as much about it, but it, uh, I think it really was just people wanted to be able to have the Chick-fil-A sandwich without Chick-fil-A guilt. That was That's really where the, the mania came from. Which, like, who gets Chick-fil-A at the, uh, like, a breakfast Chick-fil-A thing, too? Their chicken biscuit was okay, as I recall, mm. but... Yeah, I remember I worked at the grill at McDonald's, so I was the one, like, calling how many things. You kind of got judged by how much food you'd waste, you know, if you, if you like, had too many Egg McMuffins in and they didn't get 
eaten by a certain time, uh, you'd throw them away. So I got so good at if an old person came in, I'm like, put down two uh, bacon, egg, and cheese. They old people <sighs> love the bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits. And then as soon as 11 a.m. rolled around, uh, and I'd see old people come in, it, I'd be like, we got to put some fish in the fryer. They old people love fillet of fish. Wow. So it, yeah, and it, they'd go from 10:30 wanting the uh, bacon, egg, and cheese to the uh, fillet of fish. That's an I mean that's an amazing instinct you you honed at the there just like profiling the person the second they walked in. Were there lots of Catholics? Is that what was going on? Yeah, and yeah, okay. definitely a lot of Catholics. That was part of it. But yeah, <laughs> old people love fish. That was a new stereotype for me. Well, Bob, did you see that the um, the Burger King uh, got shut down? The the uh, the one right by the Civic Center. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The the dar- is that sound you made is because it is one of the darkest experiences of your life is going to that Burger King. Which again, I feel so bad for the homeless people; they got nowhere else to go. But I also feel really bad for the people who just want to have a cashier job at a Burger King and not have to deal with the people that our society can't take care of. <laughs> they become social workers for. Yeah. Wage. For minimum, it's yeah. horror. So yeah. and it's just, it's all so depressing. It's like to go in there, you're just seeing these these underpaid people having to deal with these poor people who there's no social services for. I'm just thinking about uh, all the tourists that come to SF, and uh, Civic Center is where you know City Hall is and stuff. You could be a tourist, so like you know what? I'm just gonna grab a coffee. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't help San Francisco's no, reputation no. either. Yes, unfortunately, now when you come to to town for SF Sketchfest, Nick, you won't be able to to eat at that burger king no i'm so sorry i know i get they got the impossible burger which i mm. i've tried at a real restaurant and i quite enjoyed but i just have a feeling burger king would ruin it so uh also another actually i think i almost want to give it line of the episode i really love uh, my uh, rope came loose like that's such a great encapsulation of a like dirty loser of just like <laughs> yeah. oh my rope came he's, loose. he's ragging on your cord okay you're right you know what i can't <laughs> I can't give it line the episode because it's similar to a previous joke. Extension there. cord uh, is also funny, but yeah. impromptu belts are just a funny joke. <laughs> and I got to give it to the animators too, that they draw that rope belt and all the wide shots of Mo, like it is a consistent character design for him. So Pooh's having quite the morning. He's going out for a fancy croissant and then delivering pornography. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's hear. I love on the commentary they point out how this really sells out the sea captain character. <laughs> so that's it. Crazy, naughty, went and bought her a sloop. Well, this is one love boat that won't delight and amuse. Wait, Chief, he's not purchasing a boat. Yar, it's kind of you to deliver these copies of jugs. They'll keep my men from resorting to homosexuality for about ten minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Look who's talking. Yar. Oh, this is turning out to be a total waste of time. Not entirely. Homer eats a sandwich. Oh, jeez, we've been following him for hours. You know, with all the energy we're putting into this sabotage thing, we could have written sonnets for our wives or learned to tango or lovingly restored one of those antique... Well, at least I got a hunk of Moe's hair. Man, that's smart. <laughs> that's a great, uh, super fast, uh, great cut. Love that. Yeah. Uh, and you can hear you can hear a tear sound as he's thrown out of the car there, too. I didn't notice that till till listening yeah, to Yeah, same this. here. Yeah. I'll give that whole sequence line of the episode, actually, because I... Uh, I love this is one love boat that won't delight and amuse. That was mine, too. That's the joke. 
As far as I could tell, I did some uh, jugs research okay. on my own time. Uh, mm. Apparently, it's still in circulation. Really? Started in 81. Uh, one of the funniest go-to pornography names if you're making a joke in a sitcom, Jugs. I mean, it's funny in its uh, extremeness, like just its directness. There's <laughs> yeah. no, there's no uh, extra fanciness to it like playboy no. for a playboy or even like hustler at least has like some level yeah. of uh, cleverness to I it. I mean Married with Children already had the funny parody of Jugs Biggins. See I thought Biggins and Jugs were both made up ones because mm. of Biggins. Like I never Biggins. <laughs> oh, I was never perfect. in the market for Jugs magazine <laughs> so I did not uh, didn't know it was a real one. I really love Sea Captain's like bashful response to them saying like ah look who's talking like he he has the most gay sex on this uh, <laughs> ship as any Buddy. Is that in the steel industry? Yeah, yeah. The, also, it looks like Homer only went to Tiffany's when the lunch menu yeah. came on. Yep. Uh, and yeah, the tearing off of... I never thought of Mo as a guy who was t- uh, uh, incredibly hairy, but I guess I never thought of him not having chest mm. hair either. I think of him more as like sweaty. That's, that's yeah, the first... Sweaty just, and greasy... <laughs> It smells bad. <laughs> all the all the horrible parts about Mo. It's also like they really just cast off the line that Mo is a stalker as well. Like he is, yeah, he is menacing a woman. <laughs> he's used to stalking people and uh, you know doing stakeouts. Oh yeah, he's he's really helpful. He should be this. better at this. Uh, but yes, we get some. Uh, we head to the airport for some very like pre nine eleven airport things of just like yeah, we're gonna meet some. We'll just well, I don't have a ticket. I'll just gonna go straight up to the gate. It's an airport. Uh, and that's where we get our guest star of the episode, uh, which I'm going to play the anti-death jingle because he's still with us. It's 74 years old. Sir Elton John. So a really big guest for the show. I have to give it up. Uh, Mike Scully in his ears got some of the biggest guests. He really did. He, you know, I think he learned that guests can really drive the ratings. Like it's, uh, I think he was seeing it more as a promotional thing instead of just like a, uh, what I would have done is what Bill and Josh did, which is it felt like they more had a wish list of celebrities they wanted to work with and put them in there. And I do think Scully did that a bit too in his years, but he also was like, well, you two is the most famous band in the world. They want to do the Simpsons. Who am I to say no? Elton was, I feel like he's always been famous. Like though, this is like, it was like a nineties Renaissance ish yeah. happening. I mean, we're right after uh, he made it big by cashing on death. I mean, yes. Candle in the wind was very, recent this time yeah like uh within two years of this episode he double dipped on death (laughs) i love that um elton john has a sense of humor about himself and you know he seems to by all accounts but i hate almost everything else about him i just i Mm. when i the music in particular like what if if i hear if i you know i have classic rock on the radio or something and i hear Benny, like that, just is <laughs> it nails that or Crocodile Rock or Goodbye Yellowbrick Road. I I can't do it. Some of his other songs are okay. Like I think after <laughs> Almost Famous came out, Tiny Dancer became a little more tolerable. But I just <laughs> I I have to say I'm not a fan. Uh, I, I think he only dressed up like Donald Duck once, and I just kind of want him to always do that. <laughs> sure, be a caricature of yourself. That, that's fine. That's how but. I see him. I mean, yeah. well, he's kind of, you know, I, I feel like it was like 30 years ago. He just decided I wear a wig now. It's just we all knew I was balding, but now I wear a wig. And this is just he's kind of looked the exact same. He, he changed up his look so much from the like 60s into the 80s. But from 90s forward, he's kind of looked the same. So that's why he feels a little ageless, I think. But re- I am a fan of Elton John's. I really like the the campiness of him, uh, though. It is classic rock, but it does feel out of place sometimes on a classic rock station like I, Billy I 
Joel. Yeah, just like Billy Joel, the uh, the the straight version of Elton John. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think too the with, but Elton John was was huge. Like that was a huge kid. I it's hard to say. I think definitely Paul McCartney is their most famous musician guest. But oh yeah, this is close. This mm. is close. And both played on the roof of the Cookie Mart, right? Uh, yes. Well, though, in this case, Elton John actually sings a song instead of Paul McCartney listened to Apu sing one of his songs. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> For some reason, British people go up on uh, on that roof and play. Like, so nice. <laughs> you can watch other movies. And Elton John just, as of this recording, just released an autobiography, and it's filled with the fact that he was a sex addict. Oh, and uh, that I I don't want to know that. I want to know the parts. I want to see him dressed as Donald Duck. I don't want to know about his sex addiction. Uh, see, that's uh, everybody when they put out their autobiography. They're like, I got to have a sex story. You got to have at least a couple. But yeah, that's uh, that's really surpri- that much sex. I would. Well, that's you know, I'm a big reader of wrestling biographies <laughs> and uh, of pro wrestlers. And Chris Jericho's are really fun, and I, I they're very informative. But in his first one, it came to a point. I was like, this is a seventh time you've bragged about how many girls you had sex with in japan i kind of don't want to <laughs> i'm a little tired of it at this point chris elton was uh was ellening it up before other people too like she he, he has he's good friends with rush limbaugh like he, oh, yeah. he played his he one, played of his one of his weddings yeah. yes yeah so uh and also he was in the news when i was looking up trying to find information on elton john's private jet if it just to say it definitely doesn't look like the jet that's in this episode the most recent thing that came up was like in august he was defending that some british royalty was using private jets or whatever which is just like i don't know i i literally cannot care about british royals and i do not like when american media tries to make us care about them it's just like no no come on but yeah the uh the private jet that arrives i mean i think Rockstars, you know, if you can afford to take a private jet, I suppose it's a little opulent, but they got to get places. They got to be in a lot of places at once. Like, I, I, I don't think a private jet's so bad. Have you ever been on one? No, no, I, nope. I can't say. Have you? No, I haven't. I, I rode for. I got a free first class upgrade once, but that's <laughs> same about here. As far as I've gotten. Yeah, yeah. I think I've had two first class flights in my life. One, one a free upgrade, and one on that video game press trip. Me and Bob both took, which was a a ninety minute flight at I, most. I would say forty minute. It was from here to L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, Do you ever see like going to Japan? Did you ever see the those like ones where you're fully reclined and get a blankie and all that? Oh yeah, I walk by those pods in the in on the flights uh, there, and I just think if I had nine thousand dollars, if nine thousand dollars on a flight was meaningless to me, I would absolutely pay that. Yeah, I think I rarely experience envy, except when you're on like a a, a twelve or twenty four hour flight and you see people just cozy and. And laughing away and enjoying unlimited food and bevs. And yeah, you're in economy. That's where class warfare starts on the <laughs> plane. Uh, but yes, uh, Al Jean recorded all the Elton John stuff in this. That lucky he, bastard. Yeah. In and, New York, I think, right? Uh-huh. And he, and he even got Elton John to do multiple takes of your song for the ending bit because they, I mean, there's a new lyric to it as well, but also I think it, uh, it saves them a little money that they can have an original recording of it instead of licensing one. Hmm. It's one thing to get a musician on your show and have them you know act but it's another to even get them to sing like that does seem very accommodating of elton on that like he seems he seems pretty cool in that regard whenever i hear that song and this is uh my friend craig baldo who's a comedian has this great joke about your song and he says there's a line in the song where he goes what if i was a sculptor 
but then again, no. And he's like, <laughs> why even put that thought into the song? Like, why are you making me listen to the first draft of your song? Like, just leave the part out about wanting to be a sculptor. And I can't listen to that song and, and not think of that now. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with that song. And I looked up the lyrics for this podcast program. I'm like, oh, uh, he, there's like a false start in this verse. Wow. Exactly. Well, hey, the, give your complaints to Bernie Taupin. He wrote the lyrics. Mm. The, the music's just Elton. Of course. Uh, but yes, Elton John arrives in Springfield. It's Elton John! We had to make an emergency landing. It's that damn chandelier again. What's he doing in Springfield? I got it, I got it. Apu must have hired him to sing for Manjula. Not if I can help it. And help it, I might. (laughs) Mr. John, I'm your biggest fan. I've tape recorded all your songs off the radio. Oh, that's very sweet. Have a Grammy. Uh... Sir Elton, my noble friends and I would like to dub you a knight of the Grand Concourse. Yeah, it's for all your charity work and um, for, uh, you know, teaching us um, to love again. Really? I did that? How the hell should I know? Just get in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hazing the new guy, eh? You know, when I was dubbed Sir Elton, the Queen paddled me silly. Hey, Apu's talking to a skywriter. So that was his plan all along. If he writes a message of love over Springfield, we're all screwed. Hello? Lads? Don't forget your old pal Elton. Can anyone hear me? Skycap? So that's the second time that Homer threw away a Grammy. Mm-hmm. He was yeah, getting That's true. Uh, one with his name on it and one that was Elton's. I, I looked this up. Elton at the time had about eight or nine Grammys. Currently has 11 Grammys, including a Legend Award. So. And we also have the strange return of Fantastic Dan. Yeah. From uh, Bart Carney. Last seen living in the whack-a-mole. They call me Spud. <laughs> oh, I knew he looked familiar. Yeah, okay. It's all coming together. I wonder if they wrote a scene with a biplane and they're like, did we have a guy who flew a plane? Did we have that character at all? I don't think we ever saw him fly. I think we just saw him living in the whack of all Yes, <laughs> yeah. But but he was still, he was definitely a stunt flyer. Like he had the fly. His You only saw him, I think, from like the shoulders up, but... Uh, he was he was basically dressed the same, and Dan was doing the same voice. This old timey guy. In his final appearance, oh, he never he never came, came back. back. Wow, that's a waste of a perfectly good Dan. Especially, I wonder if they called him Fantastic Dan as a oh, tribute to Dan yeah. Castellaneta. I wonder. Yeah, this could have been like a, a Gill style character that could pop <laughs> up, but no, this is his last uh, last appearance. One of two. Yeah, but in season. 31 and give him this whole episode to bring him back <laughs> i think it's time it's time we pitch a fantastic dan episode disney plus spinoff like the mandalorian <laughs> the origin of fantastic dan <laughs> it should take place 30 years earlier and he's like friends with a young abe simpson mm, oh hey, man the story's growing already and Werner herzog being that too yeah oh god i'm so again i'm so jealous of meeting that they they got to meet Dan Riker got to meet Werner Herzog at that uh, at that table read he went to. That's I'm gonna say no. get both of us in a meeting. We'll make it happen. <laughs> you know, a negative complaint I have on this era of The Simpsons though is that this is really the beginning of wow, celebrity name. What are mm. you doing in Springfield? 
And they, they do that twice to Elton John in this. Homer says, oh, Elton John. And then later Apu will say, wow, Elton John. Like, it's, I, it's just, it's a lot. I did like that the Apu saying it, there's a joke on him doing that. Like, that's yeah. my name. Well, not really. Yes, that is yeah. good. I do like that. You're right. That at least earns a second use of it. Yeah, and they tried to justify. You know, they they got it wrong while he was in there. Like they they thought he was there for the performing a, a concert for Apu. So at least they kind of tried to justify it a little bit. <laughs> uh, but yes, as they confront Fantastic Dan, uh, Homer is trying to give his climactic speech to Apu of just like no, and the husbands of this town are not gonna. Hey! And he has to run after the plane. And also the gag that apparently the Peace Corps had Saren. And like, there's, not, there's no extra answer to that of like, well, why does the Peace Corps have Saren? Uh, but yes, Homer and Fantastic Dan battle it out. Hey, you with the scarf, stop skywriting. I have to deliver a message. It's the skywriter's code. I am so sick of that damn code. You won't stop, then I'll stop you. What are you doing? Don't do that! Oh, isn't that sweet? <sighs> that must be for Manchula. Just once, I'd like a love note in the sky. You're going, you crazy fool! You kill us all! Correction, kill us both! Good! Good! Yes! That's a great joke, too. Yeah. I like that. It's always nice to hear a line from Bernice uh, Hibbert or Felicia Hibbert, whatever her name is. Oh, yeah. It's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Isn't it? Just, Some pretty good animation in there, too, with the um, with the, the background kind of spinning while the plane stays the same. And mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Yeah. it's uh, they, they really they did some great animation there. It, like it was almost like blue screened behind it or whatever. Mm. Like it's like dual layered or something to it. It looks great. And yeah. also like the, the way you can see the scarf flapping in the air and all this, uh, the, you can get a feel of the air bl- going by him. I did laugh at your setup for the clip because you're like, as Homer battles, fantastic Dan. I was just like, I did not see the episode going to this midair, uh, fist fight it's on a biplane. Insane. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I wonder, the music kind of reminds me of Mad, 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 Mad World and its mm. biplane comedy. Yeah. The, God, just them f- fighting each other. I don't, watching it in order like this, I now think that it's meant to be a sequel to Homer's fight with Snake in the car. Oh, yeah. In, in Realty Bites the season before this. Well, you all know that Dan can take a hit to the head. Yeah. So yeah. even more than they, Homer. They, uh, they're they both tough. And yeah, that like... I but God love Homer saying correction kill us both but the and Homer using his like cloven hoof shoe to <laughs> to smash the sarin canister that's great uh, but yeah you wouldn't know that was Hibbert's wife if she didn't laugh yeah their their fight continues uh, really well animated and they even have the the line why won't you die which is what Homer said as he was beating up uh, Snake as well in their okay. big fight. Yeah, I was I was expecting him to say it, but it was the Realty Bites Homer that said that to the other guy. Yeah, I got I had mixed that up too. I thought it, I was surprised when Fantastic Dan says the line, but uh, as the canister explodes, the skywriting changes and it becomes kind of a Rorschach test for the the women of Springfield. It's an angel. Oh, that's Nettie's pet name for me. I love you, Poppin' Fresh. Oh, Clancy. <laughs> I love you, Edna Kay. It's a little run together, but that's what it says. I love you, 
cactus? Blobby? Upsilon? Oh, who am I kidding? Homer would never surprise me like that. I uh, I like Edna's deep denial on it. That's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. the funny thing. <laughs> a little run together. Yeah. She's deluding herself and knows it. But, yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's uh, unintentional foreshadowing of Maude being an angel. There. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Give it another year. Yeah, just about. Yeah. I also think it's a really cute setup for Sarah Wiggum to be like cutting Ralph's hair in the backyard with a bowl on his head to, <laughs> to explain his l- literal bowl cut. That's, uh, that's a clever gag. Yeah, the pop and fresh thing is a little family guy but oh, it's yeah. uh but yeah i did like the, the drawing of that if they did animation cells that would be a good one of her, <laughs> her cutting ralph's hair with a bowl though yeah this is like the fifth pop and fresh reference in the show like homer oh i also think of on critic when they're like they poked jay in the stomach and he's like please that hurts yeah. I, I know i'm ticklish but that hurts <laughs> yeah yeah though that can't top homer being poked in the eye and laughing no uh, he's no pops fresh and meyer uh, and and yeah, you're right, Bob. That Bart is clacking her eraser. Oh, no, the, oh no. the euphemism that uh, Skinner had used earlier in the show. Uh, yeah. So the fight, the fight uh, is taking a dramatic end as they almost kill Elton John and Apu on the runway. Me, my humble love note is turning into a Valentine's Day massacre. You think you've got problems? I just chewed my way out of a dog carrier. Ooh. Elton John! That's my name. Well, not really. I hate to sound like a screaming fan, but... Ah! That maniac nearly killed us. Shall I take you to the pilot? (laughs) You see, because that is your song. I heard you. Yes, because someone saved your life tonight. (laughs) Cut it out. Well, well, the bitch is back. (laughs) (laughs) We know we know who Pooh is a, a fan of classic rock, though. Yeah, so it makes oh, sense that he would it. know all this. It's always a little alarming to hear "bitch" come out of a Simpsons uh, character. <laughs> that is surprising. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he's just quoting the song name. Yeah, yeah. I uh, take me to the pilot is also the B side for your song, which mm-hmm. uh, ends, and was on the same album. But uh, and yes, real name Reginald Dwight. Mm-hmm. This is his real name. Which well, that's what those are also two first names. That's interesting. <laughs> I, I mean, Reginald Dwight does seem kind of lame uh, to, by comparison to Elton John. And the fight in the sky continues with Homer getting um horribly, like, de- like smashing his head into many things that would, um, at the very least, break your neck, if not kill you. But we're, we're in Homer cartoon world right now with, uh, with the violence. Uh, but Homer comes to a rosy landing, let's say. Huh? <laughs> Just when I think I have you figured out, you fall from the sky with roses. Roses. Oh, homie. Oh, they're beautiful. Oh, I'm going to snuggle your brains out. Well, I think I have a collapsed lung, but okay. (laughs) 
got to think that snuggle session didn't last too long. No. I think Homer no. had to go to the, the hospital. Once Marge discovers all the thorns <laughs> yeah. embedded in his flesh. He looks bad enough with his clothes on. It has to look, uh, his, his damage has to look much worse. It's a very cute arrival with the roses. Uh, just the way he, they all fling off his body. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, but uh, but it's a, it's a it's funny. It's fun Looney Tunes yeah. style gag. Especially, I mean, it's already Looney Tunes enough with him uh, with a, on a biplane. Like, nobody would do that now. Dan crashed right into a building, I guess. <laughs> I yeah, guess so. and it was Thorn Valley Rose Bushes, was it? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, also, speaking of weird things out of context, Homer just screaming prickers huh. is very <laughs> out of context. Odd. But, uh, but yes, after Homer gets his happy ending, we get uh, a, a sweet little musical finale here. If I was a sculptor, huh. But then again, no, our man who makes potions in a traveling shoe. I know it's not much, but it's the best I can do. My gift is my song, yeah, and this one's from Apu. I can't believe it. You closed the Quickie Mart just for me. Well, you and the health inspector. <laughs> Champagne squishy? Oh, thank you. It should get you pretty darn hammered. What a weird line to end on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's sweet up until then. Maybe Elton John knew Paul McCartney played there once. Mm-hmm. He had to one-up him. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, he did, for all of Apu's corny lines, he did save Elton John's life. So I, I had assumed Elton is doing it to repay the favor. Like that. That's what I figure it's from. It the- wasn't like Tom Jones at gunpoint performing for Homer <laughs> and Marge. Oh, yeah. I forgot that. Called Interpol. Very similar ending, though though not as dark for, uh, yeah. for, for Elton there. It's a sweet little ending there, especially the overly i mean i'd say almost too treacle maybe they wanted to cut through the treacle there with the, the yeah pretty hammered because uh, elton changing the line this one's for you to this one's from apu that's a little too cute yeah, yeah. it's a bit cutesy a little lisa it's your birthday kind of we don't uh, talk yeah. about that but that yeah. was <laughs> i guess that was sincere all the way through <laughs> yeah, yeah true yeah. yeah well the the farther you get from season one the less sincere things are allowed yeah. to be but well that's why i say this one reminded me of like a uh James L. Brooks episode because mm-hmm. it did have that mostly sweet ending and it did have kind of the sitcom contrivances but still had some pretty sharp jokes in there. Uh, oh, and then it goes to credits that are blood red, which yeah. I think were definitely a mistake. And they they I they did it for Valentine's, but it just looks so damn ugly. It looks just like a murder scene. <laughs> it, <laughs> like blood yeah. red on uh, black is not romantic. Mm-hmm. It's more like the the Halloween credits. Yeah, 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 which I think on those they make them green. They're green, yeah, but they could be red. Red, red would be scarier, honestly. Uh, I, I agree with you, Nick. I think this uh, has a lot more of the sentimentality of earlier seasons, though. Still, with like the ridic- with the cartoony violence and over the topness of later seasons, plus a very celebrity driven finale. Though at the at least, you know, Elton has a lot of plot action. He does at the end there. He, he's not as tacked on as some other celebrity guest appearances you could think of. So and he's a funny voice actor. I mean, he he's 
can deliver a line. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was good in this. He's a much better voice actor than, say, Steven Tyler. Or oh, yeah. Of, or other. I think, actually, I th- I'd say he's a better actor than uh, than Bono, too. I think mm. Bono Bono was a little flat. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun to go back 20 years in time. Uh, we're in the middle of the Apu Manjula arc. <laughs> it's like an anime arc or something. But uh, <laughs> it's fun to see what they tried to do with him before they just stopped really doing anything with him. So... Uh, it didn't always work, but I did like them uh, experimenting with a poo outside of the Quickie Mart. And after the, uh, you know, after we got to see the children's Valentine's Day in previous seasons. And just, another Simpsons clip show. Oh, God, you're right. That's also Valentine's uh, Day. Yeah. But it aired in October. <laughs> but but this is an adult's view on Valentine's Day. And so it it gave them a new a new place to go. I This is hardly the last Valentine's Day episodes of The Simpsons either. So more to come in the Talking Simpsons future. Future. And the King of the Hill episode by the same name would win the Emmy this year, right? The same, yeah, yes. yeah. They they talk about that on the commentary that it was just lateral thinking, and so nobody was mad at each other. And it's uh, it's just it's a title which, like back then, you didn't know the title of episodes, so it wasn't seen as joke thievery. They, uh, I think it's um, Ron Haugie on the commentary has a real interesting thing about that of like in your career as a comedy writer, you'll be on both sides of that of feeling you had something ripped off or accidentally ripping something off and so he's like that's why you can't get mad about it you just have to go like well it was my turn for this to happen to me hmm. don't sue over it or whatever was was ron Hauge's feeling it was an interesting uh thoughts to hear on that there that's an evolved uh, take on it because comedians are notoriously bitter, angry people. <laughs> <laughs> and podcasters. You know, maybe Ron Hauge had enough money by this point. He's like, yeah, yeah I'm not offended. By I'm him. relaxed now. <laughs> but uh, Nick, you've been a special guest. Please let everyone know yes. where we can find you, your Patreon, your YouTube, all the good stuff, and live appearances. Yeah, we're uh, foundfootagefest.com is where you can find uh, tour dates and uh, links to our Twitter and all that. And uh, yeah, we are on Patreon slash Found Footage Festival. We do a weekly uh, YouTube and Facebook show where we, we just pop in videos kind of on the fly and have special guests like David Cross and uh, people come in and hang out and watch old VHS tapes with us. No, that's uh, yeah, VCR party. I've been having a lot of fun watching those this uh, this last week. I wanted to catch up. It's it's so fun, the, especially like the kind of live atmosphere of it of just you you guys uh, hanging out. That's been fun, and I just wanted to say I'm a huge fan of of the podcast, and it's it's made me go back and watch Simpsons episodes. And as it gets later into the episodes, and you you might be more and more frustrated it's i don't know it's good i think it's good to remember because i always thought having watched since the tracy ullman shorts and ben felt lucky to sort of be alive at peak simpsons kind of like how if your parents would talk about how seeing the beatles on ed sullivan as a (laughs) as a comedy nerd we didn't get to do that but this was kind of our pivotal moment like that and to live through it and um and the fact that it's still on it's it's a little heartbreaking like i just watched last week's episode about millennials and it was kind of like ooh this kind of mm. stings a bit but it's i feel like there's one good episode in these these later seasons that are that's still kind of harkens back to the old days mm. and it's mm-hmm. it might be diminishing returns but those flashes of the old days or the brilliance of like seeing this show you know like the beatles who started off singing love songs and it was just family i'll quit it and stuff and that was good enough but then <laughs> seeing like lisa goes to washington and it becomes this brilliant satirical show and and so you kind of are hope maybe it's abusive but you kind of hope <laughs> for that uh, that flash of brilliance and so i feel like in these later seasons of your podcast you'll appreciate those flashes of of brilliance even more because it will be surrounded by a lot of mediocrity but 
Oh yeah, look look for the good parts. Oh yeah, no, that's you know these these episodes that I don't remember watching as much or loving as much. Now I am like you know there's still a lot of good stuff yeah. here. There's still so and I, I hope to always feel that way. Surprised. And yeah, as of uh, this recording, we're coming up on the launch of Disney Plus, and I assume most people will just have it, which means you'll have access to 30 years of The Simpsons. Maybe you bought the first six or seven DVDs and you just stopped, but it'll just be there for you to use to accompany our podcast. So I think it'll all work out and we can't wait to show you episodes you don't know are coming. <laughs> Exciting. Ones. Right. Yes. Uh, but, but thank you so much again, Nick. And uh, you know, we're, we'll also be at SF sketch fest. So we, we look forward to seeing you at that uh, and in seeing you in person when you come to town. Yeah, I'd love to see you guys there. So thanks again to Nick for joining us on this episode. And please check out all of the great found footage festival stuff. We love it. But as for us, if you want to support our show and get every episode one week ahead of time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. If you go there and sign up at the $5 level, you'll get just that. And you'll also have access to so many bonus podcasts, over 100 at this point, including all of our limited miniseries. The newest one, Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1, is coming this October. And you won't want to miss that. There is way too much to mention that's going on at that level, but Henry will tell you what's going on at the $10 level. Extra, extra long podcast once a month. What's happening there, Henry, for 10 bucks a month? Yes, that is our What a Cartoon Movie podcast where me and Bob talk for up to four hours, even over four hours, about a different animated feature film once a month. We're approaching our 12th month of doing it. That means 12 whole podcasts, over 30 hours of content you can listen to if you sign up for it. And this month in October, we are in the Halloween spirit indeed because we're going to be talking about Henry Selleck's <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. You could even say this is Halloween. It, it, it is Halloween. You know, though, it is a film where 10 minutes of it is on Halloween and the rest is not on Halloween. But, it splits uh, both holidays. It's yes, fine. Yeah, but we're going to have a ton of fun. You know we'll talk a long time about it. And you can sign up to hear all the previous ones right now. Plus, you know, Nick mentioned the Simpsons shorts from the Tracy Ullman days. We did video commentaries on all of the original Tracy Ullman shorts that you can also only see if you're attending dollar and up patron at patreon.com slash talking simpsons so i've been one of your hosts bob mackey find me on twitter as bob servo my other podcast is retronauts a classic gaming podcast check it out every week at retronauts.com or look for retronauts in your podcast machine and i would appreciate it henry how about you you can follow me, Henry Gilbert, on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Whenever new content goes up on the Patreon or on the free feeds for this, you'll be sure to find out about it if you follow me at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thanks so much for joining us this week, folks. We'll see you next week for the episode Marge Simpson in Screaming Yellow Honkers. And we will see you then. Top the moss, well, a few of the verses, well, they've got me quite cross, but the sun's been quite kind while I wrote this song. It's for people like you that keep it turned on. So, excuse me for getting. These things I do You see I've forgotten If they're green Or they're blue Anyway The thing is 
really mean Yours are the sweetest guys I've ever seen And you can tell everybody This is the song It may be quite simple but Now that it's done I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind How I put down in the words How wonderful life is While you're in the world I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind How I put down in the words How We gotta stop that traitor up who yeah! right after happy hour. Yeah! Yeah, drinking will help us play.